Praise thou our Lord. Amen. I'm Father Dan Schmidtmeyer, Director of Vocations. Tuesday, the 24th of October. It's the Feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret. Let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, your greatness is without measure. Look down with mercy upon those whose prayer is hindered by a crippling sense of unworthiness. Your works are wonderful. Inspire all creative artists to reveal your beauty to the world. Your goodness embraces all that you have made. Lead us to seek goodness rather than fault in all our sisters and brothers. O God of glory and compassion, you rule over the powerful of the earth and you gather up the sparrow when it falls. Grant us wisdom to see your works in our daily lives and to praise you at every turn. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. St. Anthony Mary Claret pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are with us here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Sway. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And of this hour, we're going to talk to Father Boniface Hicks, get some thoughts on transparency in personal prayer. Marlon De La Torre will join us from knowingisdoing.org. We'll also talk to Dr. Jim Schrader about screen time and kids. He's a pediatric psychologist, so he's got some insight on the matter. He's also a dad of a bunch of kids, including high schoolers. So you may want to hear what he's got to say. Uh, And then Joseph Pierce with more thoughts on English Catholic history. So please do stay with us if you can. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. Two more hostages have been released by Hamas. According to multiple reports, Hamas said it released the hostages yesterday, quote, on humanitarian grounds. The hostages were identified as two elderly Israeli women. Their release follows the release of two American hostages on Friday. Israeli officials report Hamas is holding more than 200 people hostage as fighting between the two sides continues. In fact, the war between Israel and Hamas is now in its third week. Trey Thomas has the latest. This comes as the White House is asking Israel to hold back on a ground invasion of Gaza as it attempts to free hostages being held by the Palestinian militant group. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. It is literally an hour-by-hour effort here at the White House and at the State Department to find out where these folks are and to try to make uh, the the effort to, to get them out and get them back. Hamas released two more hostages Monday on what they called humanitarian grounds. I'm Trey Thomas. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a letter to the faithful calling for peace in the Holy Land. Patriarch Pierre Battista Pizzaballa in his latest letter encouraged everyone to take part in the day of prayer and fasting called for by Pope Francis. It will be taking place on Friday. Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa said, quote, It is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, do penance, intercede. For this, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts. End quote. The pro-life movement is intensifying the ground game in Ohio ahead of the November election. On the ballot is Issue 1, a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. 
Early voting has been going on since October 11th. Brian Kemper, who is part of the pro-life coalition Protect Women Ohio, told the Catholic News Agency they are mostly focused on countering falsehoods from the other side about the availability of emergency care for miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. In Washington, the House is hearing from eight candidates for speaker as the race enters a third week now. Mark Mayfield reports. A speaker forum was held Monday night to hear from those who filed to run with an internal election on Tuesday. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser dropped out Monday night. Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference Mike Johnson said it may be a long day when asked by reporters how things may shake out on Tuesday. I'm Mark Mayfield. And the Texas Rangers have advanced to the World Series for the first time since 2011. Texas defeated the Houston Astros 11-4 in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series at Minute Maid Park last night. Meanwhile, in Philadelphia, the National League Championship Series is heading to a Game 7. The Diamondbacks silenced the Phillies 5-1 at Citizens Bank Park in Game 6 to set up a winner-take-all elimination game tonight. So after all those sweeps at the beginning of the playoffs, we're now because I mean, everybody out. got swept. Mm-hmm. Now they're all going to game sevens. Yep. That's it's awesome. Crazy. Makes one wonder what will happen in the actual World Series. Indeed. Featuring the Rangers against either the Phillies or Diamondbacks. You going to make any predictions? But of course not, Anna Mitchell. You know how poorly it goes when I make predictions. I know. I have a knack for being wrong. I understand. So I see these ads for sports betting that just like pollute every single break when I'm just trying to watch a regular old sport and all I can think of is how much money I would lose if I even tried. <laughs> so, yep. Jamie Foxx, you get none of my money. None. None. If I'm going to lose, Good if I'm going to gamble with the, with the intent to lose, I'm going to do it at a parish festival or a school fundraiser. Right, exactly. I'm going to buy like 25 raffle tickets with the intent to lose on all 25 tries. I lose for a cause. I don't lose for Vegas. Nice. That's enough of my t- my tirade. <laughs> the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks. He's author of Personal Prayer, a guide for receiving the Father's love. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. So as we've been getting more into this question of transparency and uh, transparency in prayer specifically, what are some ways to think about what it is that we even mean by that in regard to prayer? Well, transparency is that quality of the inside being visible on the outside. So we can think of uh, when someone's face is so expressive that we know exactly what they're feeling just by looking at their face. Or there, uh, someone is, is so uh, verbally expressive that we know their interior is really being expressed through their words. We see in the posture of a person what's, uh, what's happening in their hearts. And that kind of transparency, not, but which would be the opposite of duplicity or uh, of a certain opaqueness, opacity of, of being able to hide our interior and put on a mask and project a different exterior. So there's, uh, there's something that's very vulnerable about that, of course. And uh, when we talk about transparency in prayer, it's actually allowing uh, ourselves to be seen to our uh, greatest depths. 
there's there's a little bit of uh, you know the, the same kind of irony that we see in the garden where Adam is hiding himself from God, and I think everybody who reads that passage goes like, doesn't that guy know that God sees everything? I mean, God knows everything. God is, but we have the experience that we can actually hide ourselves from Him, that we can keep ourselves part of ourselves away from Him. And uh, we do that to try and protect ourselves if uh, we're afraid, because to be seen is to take the risk of being rejected. And, of course, to be seen is a necessary requirement to actually enter into love and intimacy. And as we grow in trust, learning to open our hearts before others, we learn to open our hearts more before God as well. And, and of course, in heaven there's total transparency. This, uh, this last chapter of the book is, is really all about what we're aiming towards as we, we grow in the experience of, of heaven, grow closer to heaven through our daily lives and through our prayer. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, all this is a citizenship course for heaven, right? A very long one, a lifelong one. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, yeah. as you're mentioning that idea of uh, Adam in the garden hiding from God and how just preposterous the whole thing seems. So I haven't encountered this as much in Catholicism, but I used to encounter it in the Bible Belt where someone would say a, a bad word, but they, you know, Pastor Rick would be in the Bob Evans next to him and they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Pastor, you know, whatever, like as though God can only hear you when he's got one of his people around. I don't run into this as much <laughs> with uh, with Catholics because they're not as careful with their language in general. Uh, maybe, maybe we should be, but it is interesting. I, I mean, it's not that God can't see us, right? So what is it that we're doing? It's not that we're trying to get him to see us better. Uh, it's It's more about are part of the deal, right? Well, I, I do think, I mean, I think it's part of the way that, that God really honors our freedom and doesn't, you know, the experience of, of being watched is a terrible experience. I mean, this is what generates things like 1984 and Big Brother and that every television, every movie camera, that our whole lives are constantly under surveillance. And God doesn't torture us like that and make us feel that kind of uh, suspicion and constant observation. He actually is loving enough, even though he obviously really sees everything, he's actually loving enough to give us a sense of security and privacy, even from him, and even to eternity, right? I mean, we, we can choose ultimate privacy, as it were. Uh, in fact, hell can't really be separated from him, because to be separated from him is to cease to exist. But we live in the illusion that we are completely hidden from him. We cut ourselves off from him when when we choose hell, basically. So he really gives us that experience, and, and learning to open that up to him, and that he is trustworthy, and that what he sees, he always sees with love. And that's so hard for us to trust, because <laughs> we don't work that way. And uh, we, we grow into that, but we've experienced so much that's not being seen with love, received with love, treated with love, but that really is how he sees. And so what does it mean for my whole life to be exposed to someone who only sees with love? Uh, that's what we really grow into in our faith. Yeah, I was pondering an aspect of this in Annie Mitchell's favorite book of all time, my New York Times bestseller, Prayer in the Digital Age, uh, which I think it sold, mm. it sold several dozen copies back in the day. <laughs> but I was trying to reflect on this back, you know, 
I mean, we're like talking like the 2010s, uh, early 2010s, uh, with this whole question of how we act on social media. And you were talking, you know, at the beginning of this conversation about, you know, the whatever's on the inside is the thing that you see on the outside, someone who is, you know, transparent in that way. And I think that social media kind of trains our whole deal to be the opposite direction, right? We've uh, curated everything that we want other people to see. We've got kind of like a persona that we, you know, act in online. Uh, we only put the pictures that we think show us in a certain way. We've kind of created a character based on ourselves, And it seems to me like that makes it a whole lot easier to go into prayer and rather than opening up and being transparent to God, just, uh, you know, sh sort of shoving out to the forefront that character based on you rather than yourself. I mean, this this is a big challenge, I think. And I think that it's only accelerated by kind of social media culture. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Uh, I, I remember um, even earlier time frame, I guess, maybe 2006 or something, that some of these uh, uh, role-playing, online role-playing games where you have an avatar, that word avatar mm -hmm. started to, to develop, and you can project a personality into uh, one or another of these interactive spaces, which is not you. I mean, it's... it's uh, which could go either in, in two different directions. You could be projecting the person that you want to become in maybe even a healthy way. What would you look like as a saint? What's the best of you that you are trying to grow into? Uh, but then, it, you know, it's just so easy to hide behind something that's completely different. I mean, just live a complete lie and then escape more and more into these places. But it also makes concrete the kind of thing that we're doing all the time in, in, in our relationships in, uh, from a, a, a spectrum of, of defense mechanisms. We just, uh, I mean, you and I are talking on a radio in front of a, a lot of strangers, and so we're a little bit guarded. We're showing our cards in certain ways. And, I know, should probably be a little bit more guarded in these conversations now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's all that. <laughs> But, you know, there, there are healthy ways. Jesus himself was not totally transparent all of the time. He didn't entrust himself to them because he knew them very well. He slipped away from those who wanted to throw him over a cliff, you know. So uh, the, the call to absolute vulnerability is not for this life. But it is we need to learn how to do it at least in some relationships so that we have access because we don't really know the depths of ourselves until we share ourselves. And so even to have access to our own deepest interior requires learning how to become transparent. And if we are, are always escaping into those kind of social media avatars, and if those avatars, you know, you and I are being authentic now, it's not that nothing we're sharing is inauthentic. It's just not the entire person that we're uh, playing out on the radio waves. So, but especially where those avatars become a different person, where a different person is being projected, is uh, is so dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, and sometimes you're, you know, in those early message boards days, like all the avatars were like the Joker and Darth Vader. Like somebody would, you know, be kind of fantasizing what it would be like if they could really do all the horrible things that they have, their consciousness is restraining mm -hmm. them from doing right right now. There, right, there right. are layers upon layers to this. But Father Boniface Six, we've got your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love, linked at Sunrise Morning Show. Com. You co-wrote it with a fellow Benedictine, Father Thomas Acklin. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. So great to be with you, Matt. You too.
All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The EWTN on-demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Two more hostages have been released by Hamas. Meanwhile, the Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a new letter to the faithful of the Holy Land calling for prayers for peace. And while there's been much discussion and debate over these past few weeks among participants at the Synod on Synodality, they all apparently agree on one thing. They're tired. Well, I'm tired. Anytime starts, I start reading an article on synod on synodality. Like I don't have any opinions uh, that are worth sharing because, like, two sentences into every article that I try and read about it, I'm like asleep. Yeah, it's not. Well, it's, it's not hard. Thing you in the world see these like sound bites from synod participants at these press conferences that they're having, and I have to read it four or five times. I don't know that like, anybody what is, really what is knows. Happening? what they're saying right now. I, I mean, like even I, Cardinal Schoenborn said something, and he's somebody that I consider to be, you know, fairly solid. Articulate. You know, and I don't even know what he, he was saying, something about synodality and liturgy, and I didn't understand. I don't it's know. It's like you ever uh, talk to somebody who's got like a hobby, like maybe they're like into uh, craft beers or coffees or something sure. and like the first the first three or four minutes of it is kind of interesting but then the next hour and a half of this conversation where you're nodding yeah you're actually nodding off yeah you know it's a little bit of that a little bit of that for me yep. but i'm more uh, interested in how heroic you are in trying to attempt a phrase like synod on synodality when you can't breathe when over can't there breathe. as a sick yeah. person 
Oh, my gosh. I feel like that would be one of the hardest phrases to say. I just want to thank you for taking almost all of the interviews on this show today so that I'm just glad I have a voice to use at all right now. Last night, I was in bed, and I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to make Matt do the news. But luckily, From a hotel in Columbus. But I can talk. But I can talk. Which the video people can see that, like, it's another weird week because I'm in a hotel in Columbus. And the the weird thing, so you don't notice this until you start doing camera stuff. And that is, like, no hotels have, like, overhead lights. It's all lamps. Yeah. And they're all in weird spots. So I'm having, like, things (laughs) tilted on their sides around so I don't look like Dracula on here or something. Don't make me laugh. I'm going to cough. You're going (laughs) to... Stay with us, Anna Mitchell. (laughs) We can't lose you. It's only a Tuesday. I know, right? Let's fill them up with a rosary. Pray for me. If if you're doing a rosary today, throw Anna Mitchell's uh, health and well-being into the mix. I really appreciate that. that. Thank you. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Ryan Lopez here. You know, making a positive impact on the world starts with making a difference in your local community. Every day, thousands of people invite Sacred Heart Radio into their homes, cars, and places of work. And because of this, they can go out into their communities, strengthened by the gospel message and ready to spread the love of God. This is all made possible because of the generous support of listeners like you. Now, if you want to make a difference locally to change the world globally, visit sacredheartradio.com and click Donate. Thank you. Every day, members of St. Vincent de Paul, Cincinnati, answer Christ's call, providing spiritual, emotional, and material assistance to neighbors in need. You can help when you donate your unwanted clothing, furniture, household items, or car. Visit 421care.org. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. Hi, I'm Jim Akers, board member with the Cincinnati chapter of Legatus. Catholic business leaders and their spouses meeting the challenge of balancing faith, family, and business. We meet once a month for Mass and dinner, along with a local or national speaker and a wonderful venue throughout the city. Many of our speakers you have heard right here on Sacred Heart Radio. Please think about joining our group of Catholic leaders and become an ambassador for Christ in your business or profession. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. The Sunmar... The Summarized? The Summarized show uh, is, I guess, like a podcast clip. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. Thank you for being along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Marlon De La Torre from knowingisdoing.org. He joins us from the Diocese of Columbus, where they listen on St. Gabriel Radio. Marlon, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Go Bucks. So you've written uh, recently about uh, the exceptionality of Jesus Christ and, and looking specifically mm-hmm. at uh, Peter and how he preached it. Uh, why did mm-hmm. you decide that you wanted to focus on uh, kind of the 
the preaching style of Peter once he got the Holy Spirit? Okay, great question. You know, it's uh, Scripture, the Word of God, is is, is such a, a beautiful, beautiful exposition of the faith. I mean, it is, it is our Lord speaking to us directly. It's Him just literally wanting to show us uh, who He is and how the events of this life occurred, and really understanding our Lord and awaiting our response of faith. And so uh, this particular passage from Acts, uh, we, if we take the time to break it down, we, we look at Peter's definitive, uh, I guess, position and how he responds to the gift of the Holy Spirit uh, and how he's leading the men of, of, of Judea, I mean, both Jew and Gentile alike, uh, on this uh, particular journey or, or course. And the, the distinction here is that he begins to uh, just unwrap for them what they've just received, even though they may not fully be aware of what just happened. And so the, this post-Pentecostal event is, is very significant because it, it, it leads to the, the basic message of the charisma or the content of conversion. And he takes the time to really tell them, look, this is what just happened. Here's how you are to live your life. Here are the events concerning how you will progress and move forward. It's a very powerful introduction to how to um, talk about the, the reality of, of, of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the reality of the gift of faith, and our part in it. And so it, it's a very beautiful, distinctive event. It, it lays down, I believe, in many respects, a structure or a framework on how we are to just speak of Christ and communicate uh, about Him and really uh, look at the just the, the great majesty and wonder of who He is and what our response is to that great Paschal event. Well, it is uh, a fascinating thing to look at how just straightforward Peter is yeah. uh, and telling people what to what to do. Now, it, there's you know, these are people who have been prepared by, you know, all of Jewish history, and they have kind of like yeah. a little bit of context, right? Because obviously yeah. they're there for Pentecost. Um, sure. But he tells them, you know, what what they need to do. Uh, what's fascinating to me is that uh, I've, you know, like I say, went to a lot of evangelical services growing up, yeah. and the uh, the payoff at the end at a Billy Graham uh, crusade, right? Or, a, yeah. Yeah. you know, a revival in one of my churches would be like, all right, uh, you know, if this is, you know, Moving you, if the Lord's speaking to you, you know, mm -hmm. I need you to, to kneel at this, you know, you know, pew rail down front yeah. and uh, ask Jesus to be your personal Lord and Savior. And that's a good thing yeah. to do, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What I never would have heard and never remember hearing uh, as the, uh, you know, climax of any of those sermons is, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in yeah. the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I've talked to some friends who've been pastors over the years. I'm like, did you ever close a service by saying that? And they're like, no. Nope. And yet this is Peter's first big sermon. Correct. And the, the beauty of it is he's, he's asking all of us, look, remove your impediments. Remove those things that will prevent you from knowing him, seeing him, and, and living out uh, just a particular life in Christ. And so repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, all in that order. Uh, he's very well aware that uh, th these beautiful disciples need to follow the structure in order to see him, in order to literally proclaim his name. And it, it, it's a beautiful thing of how you weave in this, this beauty of experience, uh, the experience of the event, and then this is what we're to do with it in fidelity. And... Um, I had gone to multiple revivals when I was younger, uh, Protestant revivals with friends and what have you out in California, and uh, very similar. All right, go proclaim, 
But what about this issue about removing any type of sin or proclaiming the gospel without any any issues? That that was never part of that structure. And so this is phenomenal to see Peter just lay this out for us very beautifully. And we see the catechism really backing this up as well because we're called to be children of God. And to be children of God, we are called to really uh, espouse to that beautiful Paschal event and uh, to go forth and really seek this uh, divine accommodation, if you will, of uh, allowing God to be part of our life and really being of a sacrificial nature, speak well of Him. Yeah, You know, it's funny because, you know, in the Wesleyan holiness movement that I grew up in, they very much were talking about getting rid of your sins, man. <laughs> Get them out oh, yeah. of here. Like, here's, yeah. here's how you got to live uh, moving forward. We were not from the once saved, always saved group. But baptism, the baptism part of that was like this optional thing that we did like, every few months on a Sunday night in the old sanctuary, right? It was just, it, you know, it's just a, the fact that Peter puts all these things together in that first big mm-hmm. sermon, uh, I mean, just mm-hmm. really is sort of the model um, for uh, for what we should be calling people to do and and recognizing that there are people who are cut to the heart and they're, they're asking yep. what the next step is and, and how do we hear what someone's asking for when they're looking for that next step. Um, but Marlon, if our listeners want to connect with you, they want to maybe read this article and get some of your thoughts uh, further on it. How do they do so? Uh, they can look it up at knowingisdoing.org. All right, which is linked, as always, at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks, Marlon. Have a great day. You too, Matt. Go Bucks. And by the way, uh, when you go to the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com, well, there's a couple things that you can do while you're there. Uh, Among other things, you can enter your email address and subscribe and get the show notes with all the guest links delivered to your inbox daily. Uh, But also, I've uh, started embedding the video feed for the Sunrise Morning Show in there. It's not that impressive today because you're looking at a hotel room in Ohio. But, you know, when I've got my real setup with my bookshelf and my trophies of mine, Lego stuff behind me. It does look a lot cooler, but you can find all that in the show notes. Head on over and check them out at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. U.S. forces will be, quote, postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns that the war between Israel and Hamas could escalate into a wider conflict. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters on Monday. He said there's been an uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon plans to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region. Meanwhile, two more hostages have been released by Hamas. Mark Mayfield has the story. Hamas claimed it released the hostages on Monday on humanitarian grounds, but Israeli officials say it was only an attempt to delay a possible ground invasion. The hostages were identified as two elderly Israeli women. Their release follows the release of two American hostages on Friday. Israeli officials report Hamas is holding more than 200 people hostage as fighting between the two sides continues. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a letter to the faithful calling for peace in the Holy Land. Vatican News reports Patriarch Pierre Batista Pizzaballa said Christians must continue to speak, to denounce, to call out, as well as to console and encourage. He said we have a duty to denounce and condemn unreservedly. He encouraged everyone also to take part in the day of prayer and fasting called for by Pope Francis, which will take place on Friday, saying, quote, it is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, 
do penance, intercede. For this, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts, end quote. In Washington, the House remains without a speaker going on three weeks now. A speaker forum was held last night to hear from those who filed to run with an internal election slated for today. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser withdrew his name from the running yesterday, leaving eight contenders now. Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference, Mike Johnson, said that it may be a long day when asked by reporters how things may play out today. The United Auto Workers Union is rejecting calls for President Sean Fain to take a pay cut in solidarity with striking workers. More from Mark Mayfield. Some UAW members suggested that Fain take the same $500 paycheck that they are receiving during the walkout. Meanwhile, the UAW is expanding its strike once again against the big three automakers. Workers at a Stellantis plant in Detroit are hitting the picket line, bringing the total number of workers off the job to over 40,000. I'm Mark Mayfield. President Biden will host the Prime Minister of Australia at the White House today for an official state visit. Brian Shook reports. The White House says the visit will underscore the deep and enduring alliance between the two countries. The leaders are expected to discuss cooperation on clean energy, critical minerals and defense. This comes as the U.S., Australia and the U.K. recently entered an agreement to provide Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. I'm Brian Shook. While there has been much discussion and debate over these past few weeks among participants at the Synod on Synodality, they all apparently agree on one thing. They're tired. The National Catholic Register reports the grueling pace of the work this month might lead to a change in the proceedings when delegates gather next year for the second round of discussions. This first round is now in the third and final week in Rome. Negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and Hollywood Studios are slated to resume today. Management had halted discussions earlier this month. Union members are asking studios for better pay, protections against AI, residuals from streaming, and more. The pro-life movement is intensifying the ground game in Ohio ahead of the November election. On the ballot is issue one, a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. Early voting has been going on since October 11th in Ohio. Brian Kemper, who is a part of the pro-life coalition Protect Women Ohio, told the Catholic News Agency that they are mostly focused on countering falsehoods from the other side about the availability of emergency care for miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. The show notes is where you'll get the links and resources you heard about on the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith and for the podcast to find and replay an interview. To check out the show notes every day, visit the new sacredheartradio.com. Schneller and Aquaman Plumbing, Heating, and Air are proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, home of the 100% satisfaction guarantee, because our work is done right the first time for all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning work. 
Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Working to see the culture of life prevail in the Miami Valley, Dayton Right to Life is here to protect God's gift of life through law, education, and community action, from fertilization to natural death. Find Dayton Right to Life online at DaytonLife.org. That's DaytonLife.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Michael's Rosaries and Religious Articles, a great place to shop for gifts like fun Catholic T-shirts, socks, and cozy throw blankets. And don't forget the Mystic Monk Pumpkin Spice Coffee. St. Michael's Rosaries online at stmichaelscustomrosaries.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret, Tuesday, October the 24th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be morning sunshine, then partly cloudy skies today with a high of 75 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 55, partly cloudy tomorrow, and a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny, then increasing clouds this afternoon with a high near 76 degrees. Mostly cloudy skies tonight and an overnight low of 56 Mix of clouds and sun, slight chance of a sprinkle tomorrow with a high of 73. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. It's always great to talk to Dr. James Schrader, Vice President of the Psychology and Wellness Program at Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. He also writes for the National Catholic Register and is online at james-schrader.com. Dr. Schrader, good morning. Yeah, good morning. So all of us as parents who have kids who are trying to figure out the cell phone, social media, gaming question... Nobody wants to be the uncool parent of the uncool kid, but I'm glad to know that a psychological professional was willing to be uncool. So uh, tell us about some of the standards that you decided early on for your kids in this process. Yeah, it's been an ongoing conversation since kindergarten, and our oldest are now seniors in high school. So, you know, early on, again, we had these conversations about technology, and there's certainly a lot of great assets and ways that can be used. Um, but as they were getting older, they recognized that the decisions we were going to make in our home were ultimately that our kids were not going to have social media um, basically through the end of high school. And they weren't going to have mobile devices until our oldest are going to get those um, at Christmas time as seniors here this year. And then, you know, they've got some kind of brief or just limited computer games or whatever, but we don't have any gaming consoles at home. Um, so we are definitely, by many standards, a low-tech family, and it's been – you know, a long conversation, certainly a lot of challenges, but we're really glad that we've gone this route. All right. So I imagine if you've got kids who are seniors in high school, well, depending on how things have progressed, like it's shocking to me. Uh, you know, I've got a sixth grader and, you know, I am an uncool dad, right? I, uh, <laughs> you know, trying to make my kid as uncool as possible. And, you know, Annie will probably tell you the same thing. <laughs> same thing. You know, we feel like kind of total weirdos because, you know, some of these kids are, you know, born with an iPad at the strap to their stroller or something. Right. But, um, and, and, you know, you get various levels of resistance at various ages. But now that you've got seniors in high school, are they like, resentful or slightly grateful or a, mi or a mix? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And this is the article. There's an article on my website, james-trader.com. It actually talks about this uh, quite a bit. And we certainly have had challenges throughout. I and mean, I think our daughter, especially, um, you know, just said there was a number of different points where she really felt like, she, you know, she wanted to have a phone and we had discussions around. We even had letters written around it. And I really appreciated all of their honesty and, um, you know, the, the challenges that came. But I think as, as high school went on, what we saw more and more is that we talk a lot about why we're making these decisions. And obviously, I, I know the research really well. I've been in this area for 10 to 15 years, and this is certainly an area of specialty. And they recognize it, and so there's definitely been patterns of silence and patterns of, uh, you know, not great, um, you know, I guess um, positive emotions sometimes. But I, I think that the biggest thing for us, and I was blessed to have parents in this way too, is that they recognize these decisions are really out of great love for them and really out of the fact that their brains are still developing a lot into their mid-20s and, you know, their bodies are developing and there are lots of risks that they were just not prepared to take on. Um, with the phones and social media. And so, you know what? I, it is what it is. Like you said, I I, uh, I was never cool growing up, and my parents didn't make that the number one thing that was important for them. And, uh, you know, ironically, I talk about this in the article, all three of our kids in the high school, you know, have been, it was kind of neat, um, elected the homecoming court um, recently. They're all, you know, very connected socially, athletically, doing lots of different things. And what's neat along the way is that their friends just kind of came to realize, hey, look, their parents are making this decision, and we can work around this. It's not a big deal. And obviously, humanity worked around it for everything but 20 years of this, you know, entire um, humanity overall. And things just adapted. And so it's not been easy. Um, and certainly at times I thought, oh, man, this is really a test. But we don't have any regrets with what we're doing. And we, we're really um, blessed that we've been able to. Well, I'm sure that you have all kinds of reasons that you think about this. And, you know, some of the reasons that immediately come up in these conversations are like, well, there's all kinds of horrible things that could be exposed to or preyed upon in regard to and that sort of stuff. And, you know, I want to keep vigilance on that for sure. Absolutely. Dr. Schrader, but I also care about other things like the skills that I have lost since digital media has sort of like proliferated. Like I used to be able to go somewhere with somebody, we could separate and be like, okay, why don't we meet back at X point, you know, at a certain point in time. And now like nobody does that anymore. Like nobody knows how to find each other at like a theme park anymore. Right. right. Right, uh, Like yeah. little tiny skills. Nobody knows how to find directions to things without like a robot talking to them. Like all these little skills. Like I, I want, I want to like pass a few of those on before I forget them entirely. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, to your first point, there's 50 plus articles on my website that describe all the reasons why in essence we've made this decision. So if anybody wants to check those out, they're there. I only need like two or three to back me up. Right. I mean, seriously, right. There's plenty out there. But to your point, you know, these little skills that we describe as little skills are actually pretty huge skills. And I think that we've kind of like handed over our neurological development to devices and acted as if the devices can take over for us. Uh, But we're finding out more and more is that they can't take over for us. I mean, sure, GPS can mostly get us to the places we want to go, although at times that's not going to work for you. But the broader sense is that we have this incredible, incredible brain that God has given us to develop many skills, and not just for utility, but for enjoyment, right? And part of the adventure of life is developing those skills so that we can use them for that reason. I think that we kind of lose out on that. 
We've got an article over at the National Catholic Register. It's called Parenting in the Digital Age, No Phones, No Social Media, No Regrets. Dr. James Schrader, I encourage people to go over and listen. You can find a link at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, too. Thanks. And, yes, I appreciate the irony of doing an interview about why you should limit social media if you're a children and telling people to go share it on <clears throat> social media. Nice. So, uh, at any rate... Um, I agree with Dr. Schrader. It is kind of wild. You know, but I also, I don't know if you've experienced this, Annie, where you just sit on a playground and you hear kids just hanging out. It's more of a boy thing than a girl thing. Mm-hmm. But like I middle schoolers, uh, they're, they're still pretty young. Yeah, okay. Um, but middle schoolers just go on the playground and just like lie about their possessions to one another. Someone oh. will be like, I've got a, I've got a PlayStation 3. Like, oh, yeah, well, I got a PlayStation 11. <laughs> like, is that what they do? Just they, yes, it's always been that way. Interesting. I've got a Nintendo at home and I've got like seven games. Yeah, well, I've got like 27 games because my uncle buys me all the games I want. Neat. I don't know if that's true, but at any rate, I say all this to say that I feel like there are probably not as many kids on phones as we think there are. There are a lot, but when. My son comes home. It's like literally nobody in my class is restricted on this stuff. None of them have time limits on their Switch, Nintendo Switch. You know, everybody's got a phone but me. I'm like, I don't think that's true. Well, certainly. I feel like at least I feel like a couple of kids, their parents are also kind of like. I have to say, I appreciate GPS very much. Um, But I do think that we can use those things as a crutch for constantly having our phone with us i think this is a bigger problem when we talk about apps that help us to pray Mm. we say i don't i need my phone because i use it for the liturgy of the hours or i need my phone because that's where i get the daily readings for mass i need my phone because i listen to gregorian chant in the morning while i'm getting ready and those are the, I don't know, Paul's looking at me like, do people really listen to Gregorian chant in the morning? I use my phone. I need my phone because I listen to the Sunrise Morning Show. That would be okay. But no, we, I, I think, don't know, man. <clears throat> I think we, we use these things as a crutch. And I think Satan is, can, can infiltrate that. Even when we use our phones for good things, I think that Satan can make us feel like we need this phone, we need this device in order to pray. And that is not a good place to be. Well, Anna Mitchell. That's just I, uh, my own personal opinion on the my, matter. In my experience, Satan will take every good impulse of yours and try and figure out how to like warp it. Exactly. So uh, exactly, this, this happens all the time. But I will say this. If you are ever listening to the Sunrise Morning Show and you're like, Maybe I need silence on my commute this morning. You're it's allowed like to with turn God. I'm like, off. you are totally allowed to. The only condition is that you have to pray for us. Yeah, yeah, say a prayer for us. While you're doing that. I uh, I heartily encourage people. People, sometimes I'm, I'll run into them and they'll be like, yeah, I only catch the first like 15 minutes of the show because that's usually when I pray the rosary. I'm like, good. Turn off our radio show and pray the rosary. Pray and the rosary. Add us to the exactly. intentions. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. like the only radio show. They can be nice tools, there. but... When we start saying, oh, I need it so that I can pray. I I need, I need. Yeah. I think that's a bad place to be. Indeed. Well, 
We got more after this. It's 13 till. Lord, teach me to pray. The Ignatian Prayer Series can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. We know a lot of you love anything pumpkin-flavored, and others, well, not so much. But the Mystic Monks of Wyoming are taking care of both of you with their coffee. That's right. Their seasonal favorite pumpkin spice blend is available, along with other normal flavors. And when you purchase them after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a Sunrise Morning Show mug in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. This month's devotion is to the Holy Rosary. St. John Paul II called the Rosary his favorite prayer, in which we meditate with Mary upon the mysteries which she, as a mother, meditated on in her heart. The Rosary is one of the most cherished prayers of our Catholic faith. Join in this devotion to Mary and strengthen our connection to Our Lady with rosary beads, bracelets, boxes, pouches, and rings. Available at EWTNRC.com. Joseph Pierce joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University and a visiting fellow of Thomas More College of Liberal Arts. He's with the Augustan Institute and the St. Austin Review. You can join his inner sanctum, support his work at jpierce.co. Good morning, Joseph. Good morning, Anna. It's good to have you back. And we're continuing to make our way through the history of true England with your book, Faith of Our Fathers. And... Today, we're going to talk about Queen Mary Tudor. So she's born in 1516. Luther's 95 Theses are in uh, 1517. Her dad divorces her mom in 1533. She eventually has five stepmothers. Was she allowed to see her mother after her dad divorced her? Uh, well, yeah, basically they were separated. Uh, they were, it, it, it's difficult for us to understand the sort of what Mary Tudor had to go through as a, as a child, because uh, obviously she was the innocent victim of her father's, shall we say, Machiavellian desires, yeah. um, and, and separated from her mother, whom she, whom she loved, um, and uh, be, be made loyal to her mother, not only uh, in, a, in, in the sense of being uh, a family member, but in terms of her faith. She remained staunchly Catholic, as did her mother, a Catholic of Aragon. So her brother was king before her, Edward VI, and he dies as a teenager. Now, being the oldest of Henry VIII's two remaining children, who were both daughters, um, she should have been the heir to the throne, right? But that was not the case. Why? Well, well, she was the heir to the throne, and, and that was, was subsequently vindicated that Henry VIII himself 
uh, said that should Edward VI, you know, who was a sickly child and actually died at the age of 15, but should should he uh, not have a male heir, that Mary would, would, would uh, be the heir to the throne. But basically, Edward VI, because he was both sick and young, uh, essentially a child, was basically the kingdom was governed by so-called protectors, and the king was largely a puppet. They just needed to get him to sign off. So, so basically, that the uh, the Duke of Northumberland um, uh, wanted his own family to basically become the power in the country. So he married his, one of his sons uh, to Lady Jane Grey, and then persuaded Edward VI to sign off uh, on the fact that Lady Jane Grey uh, would become queen uh, after um, after Edward's death. Um, and so, basically, it was an attempt, if you like, by a, by a nobleman to. Uh, co-opt the, the throne of England and uh, almost got away with it. Yeah, it only worked for a, a little bit of time there, but can you tell us a little bit about Lady Jane Grey? Yeah, so basically she, she, she was, uh, she was um, the, uh, the, the daughter of, I think it was the, um, the uh, uh, Duke of Suffolk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the one, if, you're, if you're going to remove, remove, remove Mary uh, and Elizabeth, you know, Henry VIII's only two other surviving children from the mix, then, you know, it's legitimate at that point to say Lady Jane Grey is the, is the heir. So in order to do that, of course, you have to say that both Mary and Elizabeth are illegitimate. Uh, and, and therefore not valid as, as, as heirs to the throne. And that's what, that, that's what the attempted coup attempted to do, basically to say that, that, that she's next in line for the throne because of, um, by, by, by declaring the two sisters, the two half-sisters, uh, illegitimate. It's kind of amazing that they survived this, actually, isn't it, Joseph? Well, they were prudent and temperate in the best sense of the word. They were summoned uh, by Edward VI hmm. to, to London. Had they acceded to, to that command by their half-brother, it's entirely possible, I would even say likely, that they would probably have been put to death, at least put in prison, uh, probably put to death, because that's the only way really of securing uh, Lady Jane Grey's position as, as, as Queen of England, because uh, while, while, while the two sisters, two half-sisters who had better claims to the throne were alive, obviously they there would be an element of instability. So it's likely they would have been put to death, and they were, they were smart enough to realize that, and they both refused the commandment. And it was just before Edward VI's death, and then so uh, after he died a few days later, there were Lady Jane Grey was crowned, um, but uh, the people basically rose up, uh, and the Privy Council uh, responding to the populist uprising against uh, this attempt at, at stealing the, uh, the, the monarchy, so to speak, the Privy Council, essentially the, 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 the government of England, changed their mind, uh, saw the, which way the, 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 uh, the flow was going, uh, and declared Mary Queen. Wow. So then she has her triumphal entry into London. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard for us to envisage exactly how popular this was. You know, that the, the mass had only been banned three years earlier. There were uprisings all over England in defense of the holy sacrifice of the mass. Mary was known to be a devout Catholic. So the whole country basically rose in, 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 in joy uh, at the restoration of First of all, the coronation of Mary, which meant the restoration of the Catholic faith. And, you know, it was estimated that, that no more than one-twelfth of the population of England at this time were Protestant. You know, so that means that 11 twelfths were Catholic. So that, that in itself will indicate exactly how popular Mary was as a queen. What? I thought she was Bloody Mary. Everybody hated her. Nobody wanted her on the throne. Exactly. This is what uh, uh, what Hilaire Belloc calls that 
that Tom Ford Protestant history. Mm. So they, it's often said that victors write history, and 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 basically that they completely and utterly accentuated uh, the bad things that that that, that was that was done in Mary's reign, uh, and completely underplayed the bad things done in Henry's reign, Edward's reign, and, and Elizabeth's reign. So uh, it, it was a pure case of propaganda pretending to be history. Hmm. Well, we'll leave it there for now. And uh, look forward to talking more about Mary Tudor the next time we get together. In the meantime, you can find Faith of Our Fathers from Ignatius Press linked at sunrisemorningshow.com along with Joseph's website, jpierce.co. Joseph, thank you. My pleasure as always, Anna. God bless you. You too, Joseph. Thank you very much. Yeah, Matt, I, it's so funny, this whole Bloody Mary thing, and you should be more like Bloody Bess. I was going to say, exactly, Bloody Bess, as opposed to Good Queen Bess. Horrible Uh, Henry. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. It is fascinating. I was watching a very terrible uh, Pirates of the Caribbean sequel recently, because I never saw it when it originally came out. And, like, the English are racing to find the Fountain of Youth, and they're all fighting and you know, going over top of each other and trying to thwart each other, the pirates and the English, to get to this fountain of youth. And the Spanish are on the race, too. But when the Spanish get there, they're like, eternal life comes from God alone. We're smashing this false idol. I'm like, nice. I think I'm on the Spanish side. Yeah. Yeah. The Spanish, you know, Spanish get a bad, uh, they get a bad look in English. uh, Yeah. English black legend history. Yep. Which was what I learned in the public schools. But... They're probably teaching something different in, in the, the Catholic schools. schools. Huh. Subscribe yeah, to the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. And we will be back right after this. It's three till. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home to Faith. And Dr. Scott Hahn will discuss his new book, Catholics in Exile. Andrea Picciotti Bear will talk about the issue of misgendering and religious freedom. I'll speak about the terrible violence that's capable from the human soul, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon, beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. All are precious in God's sight, no matter our age, race, ability, or residence. Yet many lives are threatened, especially in the womb. Cincinnati Right to Life works to protect the good gift of life at every age and every stage. For more information, go to CincinnatiRightToLife.org. Wimberg Landscaping, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, has been beautifying properties for over 40 years. Wimberg offers professional one-stop landscaping services from initial design and installation of all plant materials and hardscapes to ongoing maintenance, including lawn service, leaf and snow removal. Wimberg Landscaping, 513-271-2332 or on the web at wimberglandscaping.com. That's wimberglandscaping.com. Young adults, have you thought about God's calling for your life? We invite you to consider consecrating your life to God as a member of the Catholic Corps. Dedicate your life to prayer and enjoy living in community with like-minded Catholics. Support families through helping host events and spreading the message of total consecration to Jesus through Mary in union with St. Joseph. Visit the Catholic Corps Consecrated Communities for one week this spring and fall. Sign up today at afc.org cc. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Many times, the death of a loved one occurs while they are away from home. Depending on the distance, this expense could cost their family tens of thousands of dollars. To help families, the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society offers the Travel Plan, which assists in bringing home a loved one if death occurs more than 100 miles from their residence. A reasonable one-time fee provides a lifetime of coverage. Find out more about the Travel Plan at the Cincinnati Catholic Cemetery Society, 557-2306, extension 319, or online at cccsohio.org. My father Jacob Berg is from St. Peter and Paul, California, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Tuesday, the 24th of October. It is the Feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret. So let's pray the collect for Mass today. Uh, That's the St. Anthony-themed collect in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, who for the evangelization of peoples strengthened the Bishop St. Anthony Mary Claret with admirable charity and long-suffering, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. And all glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Anthony Mary Claret, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you are along on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lachman at the controls. And up this hour, uh, we are going to uh, talk actually a little bit more about that collect uh, from Mass for the Feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret. Um, and actually, the, how collects in general are structured. Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English and the Liturgy will be along for that. Father Robert Nixon has more thoughts from St. Albert the Great that he's been translating. Kind of a translational half hour to kick things off this morning. Steve Ray will be along as well. Also, Chris McGregor to look at the Office of Readings and much, much more. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. U.S. forces will apparently be, quote, postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns that the war between Israel and Hamas could escalate into a wider conflict. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday. He said there's been an uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon plans to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region. Meanwhile, the war between Israel and Hamas is in its third week now. 
Trey Thomas has more. This comes as the White House is asking Israel to hold back on a ground invasion of Gaza as it attempts to free hostages being held by the Palestinian militant group. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. It is literally an hour-by-hour effort here at the White House and at the State Department to find out where these folks are and to try to make uh, the effort to get them out and get them back. Hamas released two more hostages Monday on what they called humanitarian grounds. I'm Trey Thomas. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a letter to the faithful calling for peace in the Holy Land. Vatican News reports Patriarch Pierre Battista Pizzaballa said Christians must continue to speak, to denounce, to call out, as well as to console and encourage. He encouraged everyone to take part in the day of prayer and fasting on Friday that has been called for by Pope Francis. He said it is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, do penance, intercede. For this, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts, end quote. In Washington, the House is hearing from eight candidates for speaker as the race enters a third week now. Mark Mayfield has more. A speaker forum was held Monday night to hear from those who filed to run with an internal election on Tuesday. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser dropped out Monday night. Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference Mike Johnson said it may be a long day when asked by reporters how things may shake out on Tuesday. I'm Mark Mayfield. The pro-life movement is intensifying its ground game in Ohio ahead of the November election. On the ballot is issue one, a proposed amendment that would enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. Early voting has been going on since October 11th. Brian Kemper, who is part of the pro-life coalition Protect Women Ohio, told the Catholic News Agency they're mostly focused on countering falsehoods from the other side, particularly about the availability of emergency care for miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. And the Texas Rangers are advancing to the World Series for the first time since 2011. Texas defeated the Houston Astros 11-4 to in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series in Minute Maid Park last night. Adoles Garcia homered twice and totaled five RBI to set the MLB record for RBI in any postseason series with 15. Pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. Uh, so... It'll be very interesting to see how this plays out because um, the Phillies have been there yep. uh, a little bit in the past several years. But uh, I look at 2011 and I think not. it's not been that long since 2011. No. But well, it's it's yeah. mainly because we're Reds if, it, it probably feels it's longer. Like, when was the last time the Reds were in the World Series? It's been 90? 1990. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a while. But I'm just thinking about how this could play out if the Diamondbacks – make it on a number of levels because you know the diamondbacks have like sort of a, a a player whose very name embodies discipleship you know christian walker sure but if they make it then walker will play the texas rangers oh wow you know see my problem is if the phillies win which i mean I guess I'm I'm kind of pulling for them because my father-in-law grew up a Phillies fan, and so mm-hmm. I have that connection. But um, if I was going by uniforms, the Rangers are my they favorites, cool followed very closely by the Phillies. I'm not a big fan mm-hmm. of the Astros uniforms or the Diamondbacks. So, so I don't like the orange Astros uniforms. 
I, I don't really like most of the Phillies uniforms except for the ones where they got like the baby blue thing going. Like that's Oh cool really? One. I like the I just like the cursive logos. I'm into the cursive. Mm. I see. But the with like Rangers. the star dotting the eye. Yeah, the Rangers home uniforms Phillies. are nice. They're good looking. Yeah. Like the good Dodgers. Looking. Yeah. You can see that what our real criteria is for uh you're rooting for clothes. Jerry well, Seinfeld at says. this point, you're rooting for clothes. At this point in the game, it's like, why not choose by my favorite? Paul's uniform? playing the sad music because this conversation makes him very He's sad. Like, this is this conversation is over. <laughs> Today is Tuesday, October the twenty fourth. It is the feast of Saint Anthony Mary Claret. Pray for us. It's seven past. Father Robert Nixon joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a Benedictine monk at New Norcia in Australia, translator of the Tan Resurrection series. And we are diving into the book, The Paradise of the Soul by St. Albert the Great. Father, welcome back. It's great to be with you today. It is great to have you. And uh, so as we dive into this book, the very first virtue that St. Albert decides to study with us is love. And he uses the greatest commandment from our Lord to sort of organize this chapter, correct? Indeed, absolutely. And this makes a lot of sense. It begins with love of God. And then after love of God comes love of one's neighbor, to love one's neighbor as oneself. And And he begins this in a very... Sorry, go ahead, Father. I think we have a little bit of a delay this morning. Oh, yes. He begins it in a very logical way, explaining that our human nature naturally loves everything that is good. And because the epitome, the perfection of all goodness is to be found in God, it's therefore perfectly in accordance with our nature to love God, possible love. Yeah. And so and this is a theme that kind of runs throughout this chapter on love. You talked about our natural tendency to love goodness, but we have to move beyond our nature when it comes to love. Correct? Indeed, we do. And our love for God um, becomes perfect. A sign of a a really well-developed love for God is to love him equally in adversity as well as in blessing, when things are difficult as well as things are easy. And similarly, our love for our neighbor needs to extend equally to our friends and our enemies, um, to people with whom we are connected by natural bonds and also to people with whom we have no such connection. Uh, St. Albert tells us that this is the perfection of love when we do that. Can you talk about the the two reliable signs of love when toward God that that St Albert describes because he he brings up the idea that um you know it's it's easy to love God if we want something from him but not so easy to love God outside of of that kind of motivation Indeed So this is a part of the perfect love of God, recognizing his perfect goodness and wisdom. So not only to love him and to thank him when things are going in in our way, in such a way that we're finding things enjoyable or pleasant, but also when we experience pain and difficulty and so forth, to recognize equally that it's the same God who in his infinite wisdom 
sends us these things for ways which far exceed our comprehension. And the other sign of love is to be genuinely displeased with everything which we know is going to displease God. And I think this is so important because we see so many things in the world these days which are contrary to God's law. And to feel a genuine sorrow at these things, because if God is someone we love, then anything which offends God also offends us. And I think that really comes to a head when it's something that we're doing in our own lives that we know would displease God and and coming to terms with that. Let's talk about love of one's neighbor, but specifically love of enemies, because I was, you know, I'm tracking along with St. Albert through this and I'm thinking, yeah, 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 I want my enemies to go to heaven. And then... And then he drops this bomb on me, Father, and he says, it's not enough. (laughs) Indeed. Um, I mean, you know, of course we wish everyone, even our mortal enemy in heaven, but he says, no, that don't have control over. To love them as we love ourselves, we we have to wish for their happiness and well-being um, even while they're on earth here. So, um, yeah, so I think enough to pray for the salvation of their souls, but to think, well, <laughs> their life on earth, you know, doesn't matter to me or, or you know. Uh, no, we have to actually seek their genuine happiness, um, not just their conversion. So we have to, um, you know, if we can help them, we have to try to help them. If something bad happens to them, we should feel sorrow for that. Um, and he points out uh, a little earlier that although we're bound to love uh, everyone in the same way as we love ourselves, that doesn't necessarily mean we're bound to love them with the same intensity or with the same degree of effort or responsibility. Obviously, uh, those we are connected with, our family members uh, and so forth, we, we're going to work a lot harder for them than we are for strangers, but we still equally wish them uh, happiness and well-being both in this present world and, of course, salvation in the world to come. Yeah. I mean, when he points out the fact that we should not be feeling sorrow at something that uh, good that happens for our enemies, you think of how many instances we have that pang of sorrow when we see an enemy oh, succeed yes. in some way and this in, it, this it, became such yeah. a challenging chapter it, it, you know any i'm sure we have that feeling and one thing he mentions as a sign of of hatred is when you hear a person's name or even think of them and you kind of get this unpleasant feeling this kind of cringy feeling um, to be struck with sadness or dejection. I, I guess, you know, so many of us from time to time do experience that in relation to particular people. But he alerts us to the fact that that, in fact, is contrary to this commandment of love. Does this book get any easier to swallow, Father? <laughs> um, I'm just it, kidding. It, it, continues, it continues to be challenging, Annie, and I think that's because... St. Albert was such a a great observer of human nature and also his own mind and his own heart. So he often hits the uh, nail right on the head with things which, you know, speak deeply to all of us. Well, thank you so much, Father Robert Nixon. You can find Paradise of the Soul linked 
at sunrisemorningshow.com. Headlines up next. It's 14 past. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. He is honored by the church as a saint with the title Second Apostle of Germany. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. The Dutch-born Jesuit, St. Peter Canisius, was one of the key figures in restoring the Catholic faith in Germany during the Protestant Reformation. He is renowned for his catechism and also for his founding more than 40 universities that proved bastions of Catholicism across Central Europe. He died in 1597 and was named a doctor in 1925. To find out more, visit EWTN.com and click on Catholicism. 16 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. As the war between Israel and Hamas enters its third week, two more hostages have reportedly been released by Hamas. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a new letter to the faithful calling again for peace in the Holy Land. And the pro-life movement continues to intensify the ground game in Ohio ahead of the November election. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, last night on the journey home, kind of a cool episode. Anna Mitchell, yeah, uh, D- David Dean, um, who is superintendent of Catholic schools for the Diocese of Tulsa, cool. was on. Uh, he's got a background in the Presbyterian world, but he was part of a group of people who went to college in the seventies at a school that decided they were going to do like a great books program. The school oh. was Kansas University. Yeah, one of these. And and John Sr. was starting this thing up with a few other people, and uh, David was there. And the school ended up shutting down the <laughs> the program after a couple of years because even though it was not like this, you know, formal Catholic catechesis, like the things that people were like learning and, you know, this great books program made them want to become Catholic. Well, it's amazing and, how uh, it helps you learn to think. And well, oh, and and as David put it um, at one point, I can't remember if he said this on the air or if, if he said it in a private conversation uh, that he had gone up to a couple of these prophecies, like there's something else behind all this that your guys are not telling us about yourselves. <laughs> like you guys, this is leading you to some other conclusions that you guys are not discussing in class. Like what are those? And they're like, yeah, we're Catholic. That's so cool. He's like, Oh, um, 
But yeah, it's, it, it is fascinating. And uh, so the How many Monks, people started on... Abbey, um, you know, were the ones yeah. that, that came out of there. Bishop Coakley went there. I was going to say, um, I was going to ask, how many Bishop people Conley. have you had on the journey home who have come out of this program? Do you know? Uh, to my knowledge, this is the first one. Oh, really? Um, on the journey home? Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, it's just one of those things that happened in the 70s. It was like a, you know, there have been different waves that have come through over the years. That was a big one in the 70s. Yeah. Um, well, it makes you course, wonder. The 90s, you had a whole bunch of people, including folks like Steve Ray, you know, who's going to be on in a moment. The yeah. big wave of people who, who are known from that era. And then a lot that have come on ever since. It's kind of been a. You know, kind of like a steady stream of people since. Well, it makes you wonder. To like a wave. Here in Cincinnati, um, I think it was last year, uh, Hillsdale College uh, founded a classical academy, which is a public school. Um, but the the foundational, like the, the classical learning model. I mean, I feel this way about Montessori as well. My kids go to a Montessori school and I see so much... Um, in terms of the Catholic perspective on the dignity of the human person behind what Maria Montessori put together in terms of a pedagogy for, for this Montessori model. But I see the same thing in classical education in a different way. I think they fit together very nicely. Um, that That classical education helps people think in a way that will lead them to God. And classical is not even really the best word for it. It's liberal education, liberal, right? Yeah. It is, it is uh, the idea of helping you to learn how to form your thoughts so you will choose the good. Exactly. Uh, I mean, that's that's kind of, I mean, it's, it's, it's the liberal way that God made us, right? To cooperate right. through, you know, conforming ourselves to him. But now we but, look at know, a liberal model and it's like, well, good, bad, it doesn't matter. You just choose and we're going to be that's not the, uh, quote, that's not the classical neutral. meaning for the word liberal. By the way, Hillsdale people, I got tons of those. Oh, I believe that. On the journey home. No tons doubt. No doubt. It's 21 past. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Do business with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Check out the angels list on sacredheartradio.com. It's a list of businesses who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the angels list, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. When you donate your car to St. Vincent de Paul of Cincinnati, you are showing you care by making it a vehicle for hope to transform lives. Your donation of a car, truck, or RV helps provide basic needs to struggling neighbors, and they'll pick it up for free. Find out more at 421care.org. Gate of Heaven Catholic Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the end of the Vietnam War. The ceremony is Saturday, October 28th, 2 p.m. at the Veterans Garden at 11,000 Montgomery Road and will feature keynote speakers, presentation of service pins to veterans, and a rosary following the ceremony. Please help honor this generation of brave men and women and their families. More information at gateofheaven.org slash events. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from J.C. Health Insurance agent George Justin. If you're turning 65, retiring, or simply have Medicare questions, George has answers. George is your pro-family, pro-life guide to Medicare, helping to simplify your transition by guiding you through the options to find a plan that meets your unique needs, all at no cost to you. 
Find out more from George Johnston at J.C. Health Insurance, 859-414-6591. That's 859-414-6591. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing, licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. All their plumbers are bonded, insured, drug tested, and background checked for peace of mind. Rated A-plus from the BBB. Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain. It's always great to catch up with Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. He's become our liturgical translation correspondent of late. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Doing well, and I'm excited to talk about this because uh, we haven't talked much yet about collects, and there are a couple of saints that we talk about this week, uh, John of Capistrano and Anthony Mary Claret. I mean, I guess we, I guess we got to translate their stuff too, right? The, uh, the stuff that <laughs> yeah. is uh, related to their feasts. So, uh, tell us about those collects. Yeah. So uh, those back to back saints, the twenty third and twenty fourth of October, um, and there's something uh, a little bit um, characteristic and similar about their two collects. So I just want to read them, and I, I'll give you a, a hint that it has to do with the similarity has to do with verb tenses. So that's sort of the uh, the language angle and the translation angle. So for St. John of Capistrano, the collect prayer goes like this. O God, who raised up St. John of Capistrano to comfort your faithful people in tribulation, place us, we pray, under your safe protection and keep your church in everlasting peace through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. And for St. Anthony Mary Claret, O God, who for the evangelization of peoples strengthened the bishop St. Anthony Mary Claret with an admirable charity and long-suffering, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Now, what's interesting to me about these two um, prayers is we start off with a past tense. We start off with mentioning something God did in the past with yeah, each of these Yeah, that's the first saints. thing I noticed. I was like listening for this verb tense, and St. John of Capistrano was raised up. Yes, where, uh, he was Saint raised up. was strengthened. It was right? strengthened, yeah. Yeah, so we start by thinking about something God did in the past with one of his saints, and then that sort of transitions us into a present request, right? So God, who raised up St. John of Capistrano to comfort your faithful people in tribulation, place us, we pray. There's our present request. Uh, and with St. Anthony Mary Claret, um, grant through his intercession. So we, um, we, we think about something God did in the past. And then that's the basis of us making a request of God in the present. And both of these requests really orient us toward the future as well. For for St. John of Capistrano, place us, we pray, under your safe protection and keep your church in everlasting peace. So not just peace for today, but peace that's going to continue into the future forever and ever. And with, um, with the following collect, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ. So that gets us 
thinking about something we're hopefully going to do not just uh, right now, but also uh, for the rest of our lives. So we have we have past, present, and future covered in in each of these collects, and I think that's that's pretty typical for these sort of saint collects. We we think about something God did in the past. That's the basis of a present request, and that orients us towards some kind of future hope. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking about this uh, in regard to all the collects that I hear. Like, there really is sort of that that switching of, of tenses. I'm uh, remembering we had the feats of the North American martyrs, so I, I actually prayed it on the air. And I don't know if it's the latest translation of it, but it used those that tense transition. Oh, God, who chose to manifest the hope of your eternal kingdom by the toil of John Deborah Buff and so on, grant right? That's the mm-hmm. uh, present, yep. that we may be strengthened day by day, which is the moving forward part. Right, right? This, exactly. This sort of past, yeah. present, and future. I'm, I'm going to start yeah. noticing that at every collect, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's a definitely a pattern, and it's something to think about. That, you know, God God acted in the past, um, and now we can call on him now in the, in the present, and it gives us grounds for future hope. Well, you see this actually, uh, you know, as a as a point of you know, sort of verb tense transitions is actually really prevalent in the epistles of the New Testament. Uh, particularly, I'm thinking of Peter and Paul, uh, who often uh, invoke some example of something from the past and mm-hmm. say, you know, address a situation that's happening in the present and talk about like how they should now live, you know, moving forward. Right. This is, I mean, as Catholics, as Christians of any kind, really, I mean, that's kind of the task, right? right. Is to uh, to be rooted in your history figure out what that means right now so that you can mm-hmm. move ahead in a in a in a sort of a new and you know faithful way. I mean this is this is really yeah. a Christian life in a nutshell. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When you go and attack a, a a collect like this, are you retranslating many of these or or I mean I, I imagine they're fairly short. They were probably some of the easier things to to try and capture. Yeah, so these were these were part of the missile project that we did 12 years ago. So there's not really um, there's not any plan to to do any large scale revision of the missile at this point. Um, maybe a, a little tweak here or there, but uh, but yeah, these would be translations that we did uh, in the early part of the the 2000s, and which which came out and was implemented in 2011. So was that before your time then, or did you? Get that was before. That yeah, that was before my time. So I didn't work on any of these uh, missile collects. But yeah, that was before my time. Well, that's still pretty cool that we get to look at them. Uh, you know, it, it would take a translator person to notice the verb tense thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Dr. Benjamin Lewis, if our listeners want to connect with you and maybe get the Divine Office hymnal as well, how do they find out more about ISIL and your work? So they can go to our website, ISILweb.org, um, or they can purchase the, uh, the Divine Office hymnal through GIA Music. All right. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Benjamin Lewis, thank you as always. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Matt. And again, you can find uh, not just Dr. Lewis linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, but you can also subscribe to get your show notes delivered to your inbox daily, including a link to our daily video stream. Half past the hour, here's Anna with news. Good morning. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby has told reporters that U.S. forces will be postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns that the war between Israel and Hamas could escalate into a wider conflict in the region. He said there's been an uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases 
that house U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon says they plan to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region. Meanwhile, the war between Israel and Hamas is now in its third week. Trey Thomas has the latest. This comes as the White House is asking Israel to hold back on a ground invasion of Gaza as it attempts to free hostages being held by the Palestinian militant group. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. It is literally an hour-by-hour effort here at the White House and at the State Department to find out where these folks are and to try to make uh, the the effort to, to get them out and get them back. Hamas released two more hostages Monday on what they called humanitarian grounds. I'm Trey Thomas. The Latin patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a new letter to his flock calling again for peace in the Holy Land. Vatican News reports Patriarch Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzabala said that Christians must continue to, quote, speak, to denounce, to call out, as well as to console and encourage. He said, We have a duty to denounce and condemn unreservedly. He went on to encourage everyone to take part in the day of prayer and fasting that Pope Francis has called for and is set to take place on Friday of this week. Cardinal Pizzaballo said, quote, it is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, do penance, intercede. For this, he said, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts, end quote. In Washington, a house, the House is hearing from eight candidates for speaker as the race now enters a third week. A speaker forum was held last night to hear from those who filed to run with an internal election among Republicans today. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser dropped out last night. Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference Mike Johnson said that it might be a long day today when asked by reporters how things may shake up during the day. The United Auto Workers Union is rejecting calls for President Sean Fain to take a pay cut in solidarity with striking workers. More from Mark Mayfield. Some UAW members suggested that Fain take the same $500 paycheck that they are receiving during the walkout. Meanwhile, the UAW is expanding its strike once again against the big three automakers. Workers at a Stellantis plant in Detroit are hitting the picket line, bringing the total number of workers off the job to over 40,000. I'm Mark Mayfield. Negotiations between SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Union, and the Hollywood Studios are slated to resume today. Management had halted discussions earlier this month. The Actors Union members are asking for studios to pay them better for protections against AI, residuals from streaming, and more. President Biden will be hosting the Prime Minister of Australia at the White House today for an official state visit. Brian Shook reports. The White House says the visit will underscore the deep and enduring alliance between the two countries. The leaders are expected to discuss cooperation on clean energy, critical minerals and defense. This comes as the U.S., Australia and the U.K. recently entered an agreement to provide Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. I'm Brian Shook. While there has been much discussion and debate and arguments over these past few weeks among the participants at the Synod on Synodality, all of the participants apparently agree on one thing. They're tired. The National Catholic Register reports the grueling pace of the work might lead to a change in the proceedings when delegates gather next year for a second round of discussions. 
This first round is now in the third and final week. And the Texas Rangers have advanced to the World Series for the first time since 2011. Texas defeated the Houston Astros 11-4 in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series last night. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past the hour. Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by you. Yes, your donations make Catholic Radio possible. So to give a gift of any amount, please visit sacredheartradio.com and click donate or call 513-731-7740. And thank you. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air. During the hottest of weather, Schneller Knockelman will keep you cool with air conditioning repair, installation, and maintenance. Schneller Knockelman. Find us at skpha.com, skpha.com. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Pinot Noir, Chardonnay. When you're looking for an extensive selection of fine handcrafted wines from around the world, it's the BFM Wine Shop on Bridgetown Road. BFM Wine stocks over a 1,000 labels of high-quality wine from boutique wineries and small producers. There's also the Wine of the Month, their e-newsletter, and pairing suggestions with fine food. The BFM Wine Shop, proud supporters of Sacred Heart Radio, on the web at bridgetownfindermeats.com. It's 24 minutes before the hour on this feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret, Tuesday, October the 24th. Your forecast is brought to you on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio by Schneller Knockelman Plumbing, Heating, and Air, online at skpha.com. Looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day today. Right now, temperatures in the mid-40s as you're heading out the door. For Cincinnati, it'll be morning sunshine, then partly cloudy skies today with a high of 75 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 55. Partly cloudy tomorrow and a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny, then increasing clouds this afternoon with a high near 76 degrees. Mostly cloudy skies tonight and an overnight low of 56. Mix of clouds and sun, slight chance of a sprinkle tomorrow with a high of 73. This is Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday, the 24th of October. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com, who is uh, talking some joyful mysteries in Scripture this morning, and he's been to the places where those things happen. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. This is uh, October is the month of the rosary, so I thought it would be cool for the next four weeks to go through each of the um, the mysteries, the joyful, sorrowful, glorious, luminous, and talk about how they are in the Bible. These are very biblical prayers. So today we can do the joyful mysteries in the Bible. Now, you know, well, interesting, most of them all come from Luke. The Annunciation comes from Luke. The Visitation comes from Luke. The uh, Presentation comes from Luke. Finding in the Temple comes from Luke. The only one that Matthew shares then is Nativity. So you better, we all better uh, thank St. Luke for the five joyful mysteries. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, Mark and John don't actually have the Nativity story. It's, it's just Matthew and Luke. Um, so, But the first one of these is the... Uh, the first joyful mystery, the Annunciation, you know, and uh, you and I talk about this all the time in, 
know, explaining the rosary to our Protestant brothers and sisters, we say, well, the first part of Hail Mary, the Hail Mary comes from Scripture. And that's almost true because the words Hail Mary full of grace, that's not exactly what's in the Bible, right? Right. We say Hail Mary, but Mary's not in the Bible in that place. Instead, there's the word kahare tomene. It's a very fancy Greek word. Greek is much more explicit than English. And what the angel said is, Hail, you who were in the past tense made full of grace and who retain that status at this moment in the present. So it's a past and a present word. So she, it's done to her in the passive sense. You who have been made full of grace in the past and retain and are still in that state today. And full of grace means full of the life of God, this, the grace of God. That's his life. And if there's the fullness to the, like overflowing with the life of God, that means there's nothing in there that can contradict it, like sin. <laughs> so here we have really a statement of her immaculate conception and her sinlessness, even here in the um, message of the angel. So he doesn't say, Hail Mary. He says, Hail Kahare Tumene. And one other point about that, John Paul II says that that is her name in the eyes of God. Just like Simon was renamed Peter, Abram was renamed Abraham. In God's eyes, Mary was renamed Kahare Tumene, the one who is full of grace. Well, speaking of biblical prayers uh, and the visitation, there's so much that we could talk about. Uh, We've talked about uh, Mary is Ark of the Covenant and all the parallels there before. Uh, but not, not many people realize that there's a parallel between the Magnificat that she prays at the visitation and another passage also from one of the historical books in the Old Testament. Yes, and it shows one of the things that it does display is that Mary knows her Bible because she understood the Magnificat sung by Hannah, who is also in First Samuel chapter 2, Hannah has a miraculous baby, too, not a virgin birth, but she, in her old age, gives birth to the prophet Samuel. And she sings out, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and John Paul II, quoting him again, since his feast day was this week, John Paul II said that Mary's Magnificat of the New Testament is based upon Hannah's Magnificat of the Old Testament. So you know that Mary knew her Bible because she was rewording Hannah's a prayer in her own words to apply to her, just like the Magnificat of the Old Testament. Well, there's the so way, much we Ma- can say about. Oh, go ahead. Just and when people pray the visitation, they should remember that Mary had to walk 100 miles to visit Elizabeth. That's a long way for a 15-year-old girl. She would have had to join a caravan, couldn't have done it by herself. And when we're driving through Israel from Galilee to Jerusalem, I keep saying to the group on the bus, oh, and by the way, Mary is still walking. She's still walking. Well, we are only a little over a month away from Advent, if you can believe it. And we're going to talk a lot more about the Nativity. We just mentioned a little bit about it uh, there at the beginning. But I want to skip ahead to the presentation in the temple because this is one that can be very mysterious for people to try and uh, wrap their minds around. Uh, But it helps us understand that one of the weirdest depictions of Mary, which is Mary walking around with swords sticking out of her, that's actually a biblical kind of, it's got a biblical (laughs) basis, right? The one that I I sent you, that picture of Mary with the sword in her chest, and that that is at the top of Calvary in Jerusalem, right where Jesus was crucified, and it's a very haunting image of her. And when the, you know, can you imagine, she's going to the presentation, she's so proud, she's got, she's a 15-year-old girl with this brand new 
40 day only. He's only 40 days old because that's when they had to do the presentation. He's already shed his blood for us once, Matt, because he was circumcised on the eighth day. That's the first time he shed his blood for us, actually. And 40 days old, this pudgy little baby in her arms, and she's so proud, and she takes him to the temple to present him. And this grisly old prophet Simeon comes up, and he says, and a sword will pierce your soul also. This is when you look at the uh, seven sorrows of Mary. There's that devotion called the seven sorrows. This is one of them that the, he says to her, a sword's going to pierce your soul also. Now, Mary doesn't know everything. She's not God. She doesn't know everything. And she, I just think, of, she's wondering, what does that mean? And then she found out what that meant at the crucifixion when, when we see, like in this picture on top of Calvary, the sword in her chest. Because she, there's a saying that there's nothing more grievous than to have a children die before their parents, for a parent to have to bury their children. And this is the case with Mary. She had to watch her son humiliated and crucified. Yeah. Well, there's... Uh... Another sorrow here. It's actually so. That prophecy of Simeon and Anna is the. Uh, it's the first sorrow of Mary among the in the seven sorrows devotion. But it's also a joyful mystery of the rosary, which is strange. But the third sorrow of the seven sorrows devo- devotion is also connected to a joyful ministry, mystery because the third sorrow is the loss of the child Jesus. And anybody who's ever been in a grocery store and turned around and is like, "Where's my kid?" <laughs> understands this one. Oh, yeah. We just had announced two nights ago that we're ready to have grandbaby number 21. And right. when we take and we're going to have two of them with us today. And believe me, I watch them like a hawk. I never I would be. Well, it is a terrifying thought. And imagine finding Jesus in the temple. This is a joyful mystery. But like you said, one of the sorrowful mysteries is losing Jesus because they baby Jesus. When, uh, when they grow up, these boys, when, men and women travel separately in caravans. And then in the evening, the families come back together again. Men walk with men, women walk with women. And when the boys are 12 years old, so time for bar mitzvah. Before that, the young boys walk with their mothers and all the kids. As they get to the 12-year age, 13, they start walking with the men after their bar mitzvah. Here's Jesus Mary thought she was with Joseph, and Joseph thought he was with Mary. And at the end of the day, they said, where's Jesus? Well, I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. Oh, no, we've lost the Son of God. And they go back to look for him. That was at least 24 hours that they did not know where he was. And by the way, it shows us again that Mary doesn't know everything. She hasn't been given insight into everything that's going on. She has to trust the Lord like the rest of us. And she said, when their parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. So Mary was, she was shocked by this. It says that they were astonished, not only that they found him there, but what he was doing, but also, why would you do this to us? So it it is really a, um, it's, you know, almost all of these um, mysteries here, Matt, have a joyful aspect, but I could go back through them all and show you a sorrowful aspect to every single one of them, because every one of them also has a sorrowful. I have a talk I give called the 12 Unknown Sorrows of Mary. We've done that on your show already. So all of these five also have a sorrow attached to them. Yeah, I can't help but think of that uh, 
movie Inside Out, uh, probably the last really great Pixar movie that was made uh, where you've got the characters of joy and sorrow. And the joy always wants to try and shut down the sorrow and the sorrow feels like they're ruining everything. Uh, and at the end of the movie, you realize that all those things are usually kind of connected to one another. Those joys yes, and those sorrows. that's exactly right. So, yep, that's the yeah. same with these. Well, Steve Ray, if our listeners want to connect with you and perhaps um, go to some of the places where these things actually happen, how do they do so? CatholicConvert.com. And we'll be back next week with a luminous mystery. Sounds good to me. Thanks so much, Steve. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. You too. All right. 14 till Chris McGregor joins us next. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Waking up with Mystic Monk Coffee is definitely a better way to start your day. Not only are you getting a great cup of coffee, but your purchase helps support the life of the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming. And your purchase can also help our work. All you need to do is go first to sonrisemorningshow.com. When you click the Mystic Monk link on the side of the page, we earn a commission. Support the monks and support the Sunrise Morning Show. Click the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com. That's sonrisemorningshow.com. The EWTN on-demand platform features 50 new podcasts every week, as well as an ever-expanding library of audio and video content. For Catholics who want to learn more about their faith, simply using their mobile device, computer, or TV. Your favorite EWTN programs are available 24-7. Visit EWTN.com and click On Demand. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. Till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Annie. How are you today? I, you know, I could sound better, but I'm feeling all right. You sound, you sound very sympathetic. Thank you. I do. I have a lot of sympathy for you. I, I just don't want to get it. I don't want it. Well, so I'm glad we're a little, little distance. Exactly. The different the distance between Cincinnati and Omaha is great enough that I think you're (laughs) safe this morning. I think, I think. So thank you for joining us. Always love getting to open up the Office of Readings with you. And the selection this week is for Thursday of the 29th week in Ordinary Time, taken from a letter to Proba by St. Augustine. Now, before we get to the part that's here in the office, can Mm -hmm. you tell us about this letter more generally? Do you know who Proba is? Well, Proba is a woman who lived contemporary, of course, of St. Augustine, who is a Roman noble woman. So she had some influence and was very literate. And 
uh, she had asked of St. Augustine to help her to grow in the spiritual life, to become a, a good, holy Christian. And this is his, uh, in essence, spiritual direction to her. This is what he will send her. And if I would encourage people to go back and look at the Office of Readings, this great gift that the church has compiled for us. And over this last week, St. Augustine has been writing to Proba, helping to break open the Our Father. Nice. So that great prayer that the Lord gave us. But in this particular uh, selection, it's he's concluded that instruction, but he addresses the question essentially anticipating what she's and all of us feel. But what happens when we pray and we don't get what we've asked for? Yeah. Yeah. And so that I think this is um, he he is once again providing this great St. Augustine spiritual direction for all of us. Yeah. It's a really interesting theory, I think, that he has on the thorn in Paul's flesh that we read about in his second letter to the Corinthians. Can you talk about that? Yeah, he'll say now, okay, we've we've looked at the Our Father and we're praying, and yet you may ask, he says to Proba, well, what about St. Paul who said when we uh, cannot choose words in order to pray properly? So the, the puzzlement is, but I, I've been told this is how you pray, but what happens when we can't pray properly? And so I, Augustine is essentially showing, yes, even Paul is not exempt. And this is Augustine's words, not exempt from such ignorance, the great St. Paul, <laughs> because we know that selection. He reminds her of that passage in scripture where he um, he experiences this thorn in the flesh and he asked three times we don't know what that is but you know to have that removed and it's not happening it's staying with him and augustine would say when to prevent him from becoming swollen headed over the greatness of revelations that had been given to him he was given an addition of thorn in the flesh flesh a messenger of satan to buffet him Wow. And, of course, we know that he wasn't removed. And the Lord would say finally to him, my grace is enough for you. My power is at its best in weakness. Mm. The Lord said no to, to St. Paul. So St. Augustine is trying to help Proba to understand those times when the Lord may say no to her and may say no to us. And it's not because he doesn't love us. It's not that he doesn't, it, it may be because the disposition of our heart or what we're asking for isn't for our greater good. And this leads to what I think is, at least for me, the most striking part of this letter. He writes, and I hope you'll reflect on this, at least though we owe this much respect to the Lord our God, that if he does not take our afflictions away, we should not consider ourselves ignored or neglected but should hope to gain some greater good through the patient acceptance of suffering for power is at its best in weakness. Wow. That's you picked out amazing. the line I picked. Yeah. I mean, Anna, that is exactly the line I picked too. And there's a word that jumped out to me because it says, but should hope to gain some yes. greater good through the patient acceptance of suffering. Okay, so what is hope? 
Hope is that it's essentially two things. It's it's first that if God keeps his promises. Remember, God will keep his promises. Mary reminds us that in the uh, Magnificat. And then the second is that God is bigger than we are, stronger than we are. So if he is allowing something to happen, it's probably, and he'll remind us in the the paragraph to come, that us asking for that may not have been for our greater good, that it may not have been something that would have been uh, that we actually need, maybe something we want. I know there are millions of us out there who uh, once a week, especially as the lotto number gets much higher, really (laughs) wants that lottery win. Oh, but Lord, I can do really good things. I promise. Oh my gosh, this is a constant struggle for me. (laughs) Yep. Right. I mean, mean, somebody's got to win. Why not me? You know, and the thing is, he's not going to necessarily answer that prayer the way we want it done. Yeah. Because by winning that lotto, it, it, it and uh, essentially Augustine is saying this, it could cause all kinds of problems for you. Yeah. Your family could suffer in ways that you may not even begin to, to and corruption. He even talks about that. You may come upon a good fortune, but it would lead to your corruption and your ruin. Yeah. So you have to sometimes... We have to be um, of a disposition to actually want to do the will of the Father, and not my will be done, but your will. Yeah. And then he brings that out as the example of Christ ultimately in the garden. Well, and that's where trust comes in, right? I, as I'm listening to you talk, I keep thinking about my mom calls it her parable. She tells the story of when my older sister was a baby and she was out on a playground and they were having this great time on a swing, but then this man they're they're out there alone and this man mm-hmm. comes out of like a wooded area starts walking toward them and she snatches up my sister and runs to the car my sister mm-hmm. you know a baby has no idea what's going on only that she's really unhappy that she's not swinging anymore and mm-hmm. and my mom said when she got in the car and they were safe she had this thought like this must be what it's like for god you know he mm-hmm. takes us out of something that we love but there's a greater good there a safety that he is providing for us. That's exactly it. So to to trust. And isn't that what Jesus tells us to do all the time too, doesn't it? Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. Jesus, I trust in you. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful selection from the Office of Readings this week. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor from discerninghearts.com, which you can find linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Chris, thank you. I will pray for healing for you, though. Thank you so much. Yeah, I hope the Lord answers that prayer. But we'll see. I'll trust him nonetheless. I'll trust him nonetheless. (laughs) Good girl. All right, that'll do it for this national edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. God bless you. If you're planning to give an end-of-the-year gift to Sacred Heart Radio, we are grateful. And there are several ways to give, including a stock gift through your IRA or a donor-advised fund. There's planned giving, employee matching funds. You can send a check, donate online, and more. Contact your financial advisor for more information on the tax benefits of donating to Sacred Heart Radio. And to see and read about all the ways to give, visit sacredheartradio.com and click on Ways to Give. Proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio, Cincinnati Right to Life ensures that God-given rights are guaranteed for all simply by being human, regardless of age or stage, ability or disability. More information at 1-800-712-HELP. 
Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors. Equipped with the latest technology and market knowledge, Hoting Realtors can make the buying and selling process easier. 513-451-4800 and Hoting.com. Hi, this is John Kennedy, a State Farm agent and a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. If you need life insurance, I can help process the best options for you and your family. You can reach me at 859-485-2000 or online at johnkennedyinsurance.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. The Cincinnati Chapter of Legatus is a national network of Catholic business owners, CEOs, and managing partners facing the challenges of faith, family, and business each day. We meet once a month with our spouse for a mass, dinner, and speaker. We have the support of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati and many members throughout the parishes, including yours. We would appreciate the chance to share what we are about with you and enjoy Mass together soon. Contact us at Cincinnati at Legatus.org. That's Cincinnati at Legatus.org. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirmed. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Ken Herbert Plumbing is a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. With over 20 years' experience in residential and commercial plumbing service repairs and rated A-plus from the BBB, Ken Herbert Plumbing, 513-383-2974. 513-383-2974. This is Archbishop Dennis Schnur from the Archdiocese of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more at sacredheartradio.com. Continuing our way on this Tuesday, October the 24th, it's the Feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret. Let's begin this hour praying the Memorare. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to Hour 3 of the Sunrise Morning Show here exclusively for our Sacred Heart Radio audience listening on 740 a.m. and 910 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening 
via the Sunrise Morning Show app or over our live stream over at sacredheartradio.com. So happy to have you along with us, no matter how you are listening. I'm Anna Mitchell. Paul Lockman will be along with sports coming up after the news. And up this hour, we'll take a quick look at this week in Catholic history with our Catholic historian, Kevin Schmiesing. Dr. Jared Stout will continue our series on his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. And today we are going to be talking about the importance of ritual. We've been discussing the Mass for these past couple of weeks. Father Rob Jack from Driving Home the Faith in the afternoon here on Sacred Heart Radio will be uh, joining us to talk about, well, continuing our uh, series on how to speak Catholic. We're going to be talking about sin and degrees of sin. And then we'll wrap things up for the day with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow continuing our Old Testament Bible study through Ascension Press and their guide to the Old Testament. Today we're going to be talking about the book of Tobit. Hope you can stick around for the entire hour ahead. Right now, it's coming up on three minutes past the hour, and news is a service of Bridgetown Finer Meats and BridgetownFinerMeats.com. U.S. forces will be, quote, postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns that the war between Israel and Hamas could escalate into a wider conflict. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday. He said there's been an uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon says they plan to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region. Meanwhile, two more hostages have been released by Hamas. Mark Mayfield has the story. Hamas claimed it released the hostages on Monday on humanitarian grounds, but Israeli officials say it was only an attempt to delay a possible ground invasion. The hostages were identified as two elderly Israeli women. Their release follows the release of two American hostages on Friday. Israeli officials report Hamas is holding more than 200 people hostage as fighting between the two sides continues. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a letter to the faithful calling for peace again in the Holy Land. Vatican News reports Patriarch Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa said that Christians must continue to speak, to denounce, to call out, as well as to console and encourage. And he encouraged everyone to take part in the day of prayer and fasting on Friday that Pope Francis has called for. He said, it is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, do penance, intercede. For this, he said, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts. In Washington, the House is hearing from eight candidates for speaker as the race enters a third week. A speaker forum was held last night to hear from those who have filed to run with an internal election among Republicans today. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser dropped out last night. Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference Mike Johnson said that it might be a long day when asked by reporters how he thinks things may shake up today. President Biden, for his part, will be hosting the Prime Minister of Australia at the White House today for an official state visit. 
Brian Shook reports. The White House says the visit will underscore the deep and enduring alliance between the two countries. The leaders are expected to discuss cooperation on clean energy, critical minerals and defense. This comes as the U.S., Australia and the U.K. recently entered an agreement to provide Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. I'm Brian Shook. And the pro-life movement is intensifying the ground game in Ohio ahead of the November election. On the issue, of course, is issue on the ballot, of course, is issue one, a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the Ohio Constitution. Early voting has been going on since October 11th here in the state. Brian Kemper is part of the pro-life coalition Protect Women Ohio. He told the Catholic News Agency they are mostly focused on countering falsehoods from the other side about the availability of emergency care for miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. 8.06 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. We have a slight idea of what the World Series will look like. One half is filled out. The Texas Rangers are advancing in the World Series for the first time since 2011. Texas defeated the Houston Astros 11-4 in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series at Minute Maid Park. That means uh, we need one more. And uh, it appears that the Philadelphia Phillies and Arizona Diamondbacks will have to play one more game as the uh, Diamondbacks silence the Phillies 5-1 at Citizens Bank Park in Game 6. That sets up a winner-takes-all elimination game tonight. Phillies are uh, trying to get back to the World Series for the second straight year, while the Diamondbacks looking for their first trip since their first trip back in 2001. They've only been once. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah 1-0 in the World Series. How about this? The Minnesota Vikings pulled off a uh, massive 22-7 teen upset of the uh, San Francisco 49ers last night. Rookie Jordan Addison probably helped out some fantasy football leagues. He led Minnesota after catching seven passes for 123 yards. Two touchdowns. Vikings sit in second place at three and four in the NFC North. San Francisco now at five and two. They've dropped two in a row. And guess who's next up for their uh, season? It'll be the Bengals heading out to San Francisco and uh, taking out the Niners. So I'm not sure I like the fact that the Niners are on a two-game skid. Is yeah. They're going to try to turn things be, around yeah, by the time motivated. we get out there. Yeah. But hey, we gotta we we that's all to, right. to be the best. We gotta play the best, and we gotta beat the best. So that does uh, that's the fun of it all. All right, let's get to traffic now. Traffic a service of Rose Automotive pre-owned vehicles on Erie Highway in Hamilton on the web at roseautomotivegroup.com. What you got, Anna? Got an accident blocking the right lane on eastbound 275 at Mosteller. Stop and go traffic uh, about not too bad right now backed up toward Princeton Pike southbound 75 slowing from 275 through the Lachlan split northbound 75 is running a little slow as you approach the Norwood lateral southbound 71 is the slowest area it looks like on the Ohio side of the river anyway uh, you're going to be on the brakes from Kings Island all the way down to the Norwood lateral outer loop of 275 you're running slow from Ward's corner west and north up toward the 71 interchange in northern kentucky meanwhile it's pretty slow on 71 75 a long backup from mount zion up to the cut in the hill but northbound 71 is looking pretty good 
Um, bottom of the loop of 275, running a little slow, going westbound from Turkey Foot through the construction to Mineola Pike. Now for weather. Some morning sunshine here in Cincinnati, then partly cloudy skies and a high of 75 degrees. Tonight, mostly cloudy and mild with an overnight low of 55. Partly cloudy tomorrow with a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley-Dayton area, mostly sunny initially, then some increasing clouds this afternoon, a high of 76. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 56. Clouds and some sun tomorrow, slight chance of a sprinkle primarily to the north with a high tomorrow of 73 degrees. Today is Tuesday, October the 24th. It's the Feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret. Pray for us. Ten minutes past the hour now. Matt? The Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. And Kevin Schmeezing, author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, is here with us. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Got a couple of churches to talk about today. And the first one is in France in the 13th century. So tell us about it. That's right. The Cathedral in Chartres, its description at the UNESCO World Heritage website, calls it the high point of French Gothic art. It's also been a place of Catholic worship for some 800 years, as you mentioned, going back to the 13th century. It was consecrated this week in 1260. Chartres is located about 50 miles southwest of Paris. It's an ancient city dating back to Roman Gaul. An Episcopal see was established there in the 4th century. So there have been several previous cathedrals by the time Gothic architecture reached its predominance in the High Middle Ages. The building of the current structure began in the late 12th century after a fire devastated the previous church. Some elements of that church, such as the crypt and towers, survived, so they were incorporated into the new structure. It was a community effort, as many of these cathedrals were. Various guilds of masons, carpenters, and glaziers contributed their talents. If you can picture a Gothic cathedral, you're probably picturing something pretty close to Chartres. The soaring steeples, the flying buttresses, high stone walls filled with magnificent stained glass, all of that placed on a rise in the center of the city. It was mostly completed with its roof in place by 1220, which is remarkably fast by the standards of medieval cathedral building. By 1260, it was ready to be consecrated. It happened on October 24th, this week in 1260, with the participation, among others, of King Louis IX, St. Louis. There have been a few renovations in the centuries since the current iron and copper roof replaced the original wood and lead one, which was destroyed by fire in the 19th century. But in largest part, what you see today is the Chartres Cathedral that they built in the 13th century, and that was consecrated this week. In 1260. Well, much more recently, we had to Maine for another church and a little bit of history about it. Another church, another Gothic church, Matt, with French connections. The Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul in Lewiston, Maine, dedicated this week in 1938. It was in the news recently for unfortunate reasons. One of its windows was broken in a rash of vandalism against Catholic churches in Lewiston. It's a monument to the French-Canadian Catholics of southern Maine. In the mid-19th century, French-Canadian immigrants moved to Lewiston in large numbers to work in the growing textile industry. The city's sole Catholic parish at the time, St. Joseph's, became overcrowded. So the French-speaking contingent founded a new parish and constructed the Church of St. Peter in the early 1870s. French Dominicans took charge of the parish a few years later, and it remained a Dominican parish until the 1980s. 
There doesn't seem to be any record of a formal name change, but at some point in the late 19th century, it became known as Saints Peter and Paul. By the early 20th century, there were 10,000 parishioners and need for a new church. A Belgian architect designed it after the style of, what else, the French Gothic cathedrals. The facade is gray granite with two square towers and a rose window modeled on the one at Chartres. The crypt church was finished in 1906. The upper church wasn't built until the 1930s. And on October 23rd, this week in 1938, the completed church was dedicated. It was designated a basilica in 2004, still serves the Catholics of Lewiston, Maine, the Basilica of Saints Peter and Paul, dedicated this week in 1938. Pretty cool, and that's a place that people can go and visit, especially those of you listening in New England. Thanks so much, Kevin Schmeezing. We've got your book, A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Matt. 14 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. we got traffic and weather coming up next. Stay with us. I'm Father Rob Jack. Join me this afternoon for Driving Home the Faith when Father Robert Spitzer will discuss his new book, Science at the Doorstep of God. Alan Migliorato will talk about pornography and its terrible effects on teenagers. I will speak about the life of St. Anthony Mary Claret, plus frequent traffic and weather to get you home safely. That's this afternoon beginning at 4 on Sacred Heart Radio. You're on the road to Christ the King. makes the party and you can find the perfect party foods at bridgetown finer meats a proud supporter of sacred heart radio from mini sandwiches to their jumbo pretzel sandwich meat and cheese or vegetable and relish trays bridgetown finer meats can make hosting a party a breeze and choose your wine while you're there the bfm wine shop has high quality wines from all over the world bridgetown finer meats on bridgetown road 513-574-3100 on the web at bridgetownfinermeats.com It's not over. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. I'm Marianne Koharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Our messages feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy assistance. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. Please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Pro-Life Across America. Traffic is a service of Larkin Cobb, Chevrolet, Buick, and GMC in Eaton, Ohio. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. We'll save Anna's voice for a little bit here. Eastbound 275, there's an accident at Mosteller that has the right shoulder blocked. Also working with an accident or disabled vehicle on the entrance ramp. Northbound 75 by the Norwood Lateral. Southbound 71 from Fields Ertle down toward the Lateral. You are slow as uh, well as your usual slow spots on uh, 75. Northbound 7175, an accident right shoulder at 275. You're heavy from Burlington up toward the river. Southbound 7175, a disabled vehicle at 12th Street. Nothing really going on as far as uh, major backups in the Dayton area. 
All right, Anna. We'll, uh, wow. We'll I feel like I'm listening to Driving Home the Faith right I now. I know. Well, you'll you get some the more. Wrong, you used the wrong sounder, though. You need that. Yeah, yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, we will get a little bit of Driving Home the Faith uh, vibes here later now, in the Father hour Rob as well. Joins us. Yeah. True. How's the weather look for today? Yeah, I'll channel my inner Father Rob now with weather. Morning sunshine today in Cincinnati, then partly cloudy skies with a high of 75 degrees. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 55. It'll be partly cloudy tomorrow and pleasant with a high of 75 degrees. For the Miami Valley, Dayton area, mostly sunny to start things off today, then increasing afternoon clouds and high near 76. Mostly cloudy tonight with an overnight low of 56 Some clouds and sun tomorrow with a slight chance of a sprinkle or a light shower, mainly to the north tomorrow with a high of 73 degrees. Now, please pray with me. The daily novena prayer ahead of the November election. We're on day 40, which means we're two weeks off now in this 54-day novena till November 7th, election day. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Ever-living God. You give life and desire a future for all your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers, and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and accompanying pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the unborn, pray for us. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next. It's 19 past. Family, thank you for putting a Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet on your vehicle. Because our recent listener survey told us just how many of you started listening after seeing one of our bumper magnets. In fact, some have declared that our bumper magnets are life changers. So to change lives, just take a drive. Showing off your Sacred Heart Radio bumper magnet. Now they're free, so to get one or a stack for your parish, go to sacredheartradio.com and click signs and magnets. That's sacredheartradio.com. Click signs and magnets. Hi, I'm Patrick Cagney with Cagney Family Real Estate, Coldwell Banker. Proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. My father, Guy, sister, Mar, and I have more than 60 years of real estate experience to help you with the most important buying and selling decisions. 513-319-7312. Offering Catholic retreats based on Ignatian spirituality, the Jesuit Spiritual Center is offering weekend retreats this fall led by various retreat masters, including Father Michael Graham. Join us this October for a weekend of silence as you experience the great treasures of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Register now at JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. That's JesuitSpiritualCenter.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Fred Espenchide Plumbing. For plumbing and remodeling, Fred brings 55 years of experience to his work. Licensed in Ohio and Kentucky. Fred Espenchide, your pro-life plumber. 859-441-0950. 859-441-0950. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Rose Automotive. Serving the Hamilton area with a wide selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Rose Automotive, celebrating over 30 years of automotive excellence. 
on Erie Highway in Hamilton. RoseAutomotiveGroup.com. It's 21 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, 7.40 a.m., 9.10 a.m. Good morning to everyone listening online or via the Sunrise Morning Show app. We're working on getting Dr. Jared Stout on the line here, and that gives me an opportunity to remind you that if you have not subscribed to our show notes yet, that you really should do that because you can get all of the information about everything that is on the Sunrise Morning Show or Driving Home the Faith on a daily basis um, right there in your inbox. So if you miss something, all you got to do is go into your email and click on that email and click the link to get the show notes. And um, that's also where you can find our podcast after the fact. That's where you can find our video stream uh, live and after the fact so that um, you can go back and revisit an interview that you would like to revisit or share or, you know, hear for the first time if you missed it entirely. So sonrisemorningshow.com or sacredheartradio.com and click on show notes over on the side of the page. There is a button to click subscribe and you click off Sunrise Morning Show or you click off Driving Home the Faith. Both, I would suggest. And you're all signed up. Give us your email address, and that's it. That's all you got to do. I think we're having a little trouble getting Dr. Stout on the line, so uh, we're going to move up our conversation that Matt recorded with Father Rob Jack here in just a second so that um, I can kind of save my voice a little bit, and hopefully we can get Dr. Stout uh, linked up with us a little later this hour. Paul, just let me know when you're ready. We'll uh, toss it over to Matt. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Rob Jack. He is host of Driving Home the Faith, uh, which is another production of Sacred Heart Radio, which also does the Sunrise Morning Show. He's a priest of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati, and he's been helping us learn how to speak Catholic. Father, good morning. Morning, Matt. So today we get to talk about sin, one of everybody's oh, yeah. favorite topics. Uh, you know, when it comes to sin and the, the various definitions that are rolling around out there, you got you know, some people who think it doesn't exist, right? Or some That's people right. think that, that sin is only the stuff you feel bad about. Or some people think that, you know, the church thinks that sin is anything that you might actually enjoy, you know, and the church just condemns all fun. But what does the church actually mean when it talks about the concept of sin? Well, it comes to a real basic human principle that we were taught when we were young, or hopefully you're taught, and that is we always try to do what is good and we avoid what is evil. And what is good is that which helps us become who God creates us to be, and what is evil is that which turns us away from God's plan for us. And notice there, the key word there is God. It's God's plan, and it's God's law, and we want to follow that. And so they want to say, well, sin's a bad thing. Well, a bad thing might be, for instance, walking out in the morning without your socks on on a cold morning. That's a bad thing. That's not a sin. And uh, But they want to try to do that. Even the new act of contrition that came out said, and failing to do wrong and choosing to do good. And again, failing to do wrong, that was always a problem. Finally, they made an emendation to it and choosing to sin. 
And because it is a conscious choice on our part to act against God's will. And this is something that people don't understand today. When you talk about as a priest and you talk about sin in the pulpit, when you're preaching, you get a blank look over your face. Oh, here we go again, trying to make me feel bad. And I said, no, actually, the job of the priest is to help you get to heaven. And sin, uh, in its various degrees, will keep us from getting to heaven. But the thing is, is I guess the question is, Matt, do you think people understand that what they can do can can break their relationship with God or that they even have a relationship with God? I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to uh, to thinking about this stuff in really abstract and remote terms. Uh, but when we think about what happens in our own relationships with other human beings, which is what God has always told us is supposed to be the the model by which we show our love for him, right? I mean, we can see how these decisions either build a relationship or destroy a relationship. That's right. And, and you know, God asks us, we make a promise to God that we will serve him, and that promise and serve him by doing what? By following his laws. And as we hear in the gospel, his laws aren't burdensome, and we think, well, Lord, I got a different opinion on that, because our will is often different than God's will, because the human will tends to focus on immediate pleasure. And often and God's plan is, okay, you might have short-term pleasure, but that can never get in the way of your long-term goal. And the pleasure we seek is selfish. And that selfishness is one of the signs that we're turning away from God. Because, again, we're most human when we give of ourselves, not when we take. And our whole world is full of taking. I take this, and I take that. And my, my vows I make before people, even though I say it's a vow for life, it's only a vow until I decide not to keep it anymore. And we think that's perfectly good with God. And this is always, again, the question, God takes our moral choices seriously. I don't know if we do sometimes. Well, there was this thing that happened uh, during the first week of the season, and uh, the the Jets were we're playing Aaron Rodgers had just defected from the Green Bay Packers. So these bars and this bar in Wisconsin, and we talked about it at the time, said, all right, um, if the Jets lose because we don't like Aaron Rodgers anymore, uh, drinks are on the house. Well, Aaron yeah. Rodgers gets injured on the first series. And so everybody thinks free drinks. Well, it turns out that the Jets actually came back at the end on a punt return <laughs> or a kickoff return and won it all. And suddenly the bar tabs came due. And uh-huh. uh, this is a metaphor for sin, right? Like we think that we can kind of run around and do what we want and there's not going to be any consequences. And if there are consequences, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But then the bill comes due, you know, and the, oh, yeah. that's that's really what we got to deal with. Well, and that, and that's really the challenge we're facing today because we see it happening in, in areas of business ethics, of medical ethics, of sexual ethics, of just living our life thinking, well, okay, we I know I'm going against the conventions of the past, but we're in the 21st century now. We're hip and cool, and we have a new understanding of morality, and uh, it's good if it makes you feel good, and it's bad if it if it uh, makes you feel bad or it hurts the common convention. So if my carbon footprint is a few milligrams over, well, that's sinful. That's a sin against the environment. And uh, I think, well, whoa, you know, folks, because that's a sin, but uh, living with your boy or girlfriend or walking out of your business with a few hundred thousand dollars, oh, well, that's just a bad business choice. (laughs) 
I said, no, it's really not. It's, again, we have God's law, and we have human law, and we have church law, and all of those we need to keep in mind. And, and they're not all distinct. They mix together. But the key point for us is to recognize we do things that are wrong. And when we do things that are wrong, contrary to God's law, there are consequences for that. And and that's why we have, again, the whole degree of sin of a, what we consider mortal sin and medial sin. When I was growing up, mortal sin, uh, oh, well, you really can't commit a mortal sin because that means you change your fundamental option and you really can't do that. So don't worry about mortal sins. And so we have people going around and doing things which are mortally sinful. Uh, again, a sin against God's justice, our obligations to the Lord. We, it is wrong. We know it's wrong, and we do it, and we think, oh, that's okay. And so when you, a couple gets married and they decide after three years, well, I don't want to be married anymore, then they say, well, Father, I want to get married again. I said, well, you're already married. Well, no, you're not, you know. <laughs> no, I'm not. I got the divorce decree. I said, but we're, we're talking, you made a promise before God, not before a judge. Well, Father, I think you're being awful hard on us because God wants us to be happy. And you know how that goes, Matt. You've heard it many times yourself, I'm sure, from your friends. Well, I mean, I've heard I hear it all the time, and, you know, I'd love to point fingers, but I rationalize my own sins all day, all day we long. Sure right? We is, sure do. This is, That's uh, why every day. This is the thing we got to get out to out of, right? Um, well, you know, part of it is it's the old uh, Eastern prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. We can't forget our sins, not in the sense that we beat ourselves up, but we know our, our goal is to please God, and we please him by doing his will, and that takes work. Well, thank you so much, Father Rob Jack. Thank you, Matt. You can listen to Driving Home the Faith Monday through Friday here on Sacred Heart Radio from 4 to 6 in the afternoon. Highly encourage you to do so. Father Rob's got all kinds of good stuff, like what he was just talking about there with sin. And um, he's usually rather entertaining while he does it. So tune in if you haven't already. And, of course, you can find... Driving Home the Faith at SacredHeartRadio.com. And like I was telling you before, please don't forget to go to the subscribe button and subscribe to our show notes for both shows. Get on the mailing list. 31 minutes past the hour now. It's time for news. U.S. forces will be, quote, postured appropriately in the Middle East over concerns that the war between Israel and Hamas could escalate into a wider conflict. That's what National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters yesterday. He said there's been an uptick of rocket and drone attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups against military bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and in Syria. The Pentagon plans to send more air defenses to U.S. air bases in the region. Meanwhile, the war between Israel and Hamas is in its third week now. Trey Thomas has the latest. This comes as the White House is asking Israel to hold back on a ground invasion of Gaza as it attempts to free hostages being held by the Palestinian militant group. National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby. It is literally an hour-by-hour effort here at the White House and at the State Department to find out where these folks are and to try to make the the effort to, to get them out and get them back. Hamas released two more hostages Monday on what they called humanitarian grounds. I'm Trey Thomas. The Latin Patriarch of Jerusalem has sent a new letter to the faithful calling again for peace in the Holy Land. Vatican News reports Patriarch Cardinal Pierre Battista Pizzaballa said that Christians must continue to speak, to denounce, to call out, 
as well as to console and encourage. He said, we have a duty to denounce and condemn unreservedly. He encouraged everyone to take part in the day of prayer and fasting called by, by Pope Francis for this coming Friday. He said, it is perhaps the main thing we Christians can do at this time. Pray, do penance, intercede. For this, we thank the Holy Father from the bottom of our hearts, end quote. The House is hearing from eight candidates for speakers. The race now enters a third week. A speaker forum was held last night among Republicans to hear those who have filed to run with an internal election today. Pennsylvania Representative Dan Muser dropped out last night. Vice Chairman of the House GOP Conference Mike Johnson said it might be a long day when he was asked by reporters how things may shake up today. The United Auto Workers Union is rejecting calls for President Sean Fain to take a pay cut in solidarity with striking workers. More from Mark Mayfield. Some UAW members suggested that Fain take the same $500 paycheck that they are receiving during the walkout. Meanwhile, the UAW is expanding its strike once again against the big three automakers. Workers at a Stellantis plant in Detroit are hitting the picket line, bringing the total number of workers off the job to over 40,000. I'm Mark Mayfield. Negotiations between SAG-AFTRA and Hollywood Studios are slated to resume today. Management had halted discussions earlier this month. Union members are asking studios for better pay, for protections against artificial intelligence, residuals from streaming, and more. President Biden will be hosting the Prime Minister of Australia at the White House today for an official state visit. Brian Shook reports. The White House says the visit will underscore the deep and enduring alliance between the two countries. The leaders are expected to discuss cooperation on clean energy, critical minerals and defense. This comes as the U.S., Australia and the U.K. recently entered an agreement to provide Australia with nuclear-powered submarines. I'm Brian Shook. Well, there has been much discussion, debate, and arguments over these past few weeks among the participants at the Synod on Synodality. All of the delegates apparently agree on one thing. They're tired. The National Catholic Register reports the grueling pace of the work might lead to a change in the proceedings when delegates gather next year for the second round of discussions. This first round is now in the third and final week. And the pro-life movement says... The ground game is intensifying here in Ohio ahead of the November 7th election. On the ballot is issue one, a proposed amendment to enshrine abortion in the state constitution. Early voting has been going on since October 11th. 8.35 now on the Sunrise Morning Show and Sports on Sacred Heart Radio is brought to you by Dr. Robert Berger and Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine online at beaconortho.com. Here's Paul Lachman. Thank you very much, Anna Mitchell. We love baseball, and uh, we'll get one more game as far as the National League Championship Series goes. The the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks stunned the Philadelphia Phillies with a 5-1 win at Citizens Bank Park in Game 6. That sets up a winner-takes-all. Game 7 tonight between the Phils and the D-backs should be a lot of fun. Game 7 last night did not go so well for the Houston Astros. Texas Rangers advanced to their first World Series since 2011 after defeating the Astros 11-4 in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series at Minute Maid Park. Adolis Garcia homered twice and totaled five RBIs to set an MLB record for RBIs in a postseason series. 
with 15. This guy was designated for assignment by the Cardinals. Can't believe it. Uh, Vikings pulled off the upset last night. They topped the 49ers 22-17 to on Monday Night Football. Vikings improved to 3-4. and four. San Francisco drops to 5-2 and two and will host the Cincinnati Bengals next week in Week 8 uh, for a uh, fun game, hopefully, for Cincinnati. Hopefully they can make it three in a row for losses for the Niners. All right, that's a look at sports. We got more on the Sunrise Morning Show right after this. In this crazy world, where can Catholics go with their hard-earned money and not support businesses that go against our faith? Check out the Angels List on SacredHeartRadio.com. It's a list of businesses owned and operated by our Catholic brothers and sisters who underwrite Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. And if you'd like to get your business on the Angels List, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Dr. Robert Berger at Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. Dr. Berger has been recognized by Cincinnati Magazine nearly every year over the past 20 years as one of the top physicians in orthopedic surgery, and he serves as team physician for Xavier University, Mount St. Joseph University, and LaSalle High School. Dr. Berger treats patients of all ages at the Beacon West office on Harrison Avenue and on the east side at Cincinnati Sports Club. For more information, 513-354-3700, online at beaconortho.com. Sacred Heart Radio is blessed to have the support of Larkin Cobb Chevrolet Buick GMC in Eaton, Ohio, offering a wide range of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs with on-site financing. Larkin Cobb, close to Eaton, Richmond, Dayton, and Brookville. On the web at LarkinCobb.com. The podcast of the Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith lets you replay and share an interview. They even have markers to help you find the interview quickly. Sunrise Morning Show and Driving Home the Faith podcast or in the daily show notes at sacredheartradio.com. Eternal Father, I offer the sacred heart of Jesus with all its love, all its sufferings, and all its merits. First, to expiate all the sins I have committed this day and during my life. Second, to purify the good I have done badly this day and during all my life. Third, to supply for the good I ought to have done, and I have neglected this day and during all my life. Amen. Ooh, that's the, like, stretch music that Paul Ockman likes to put on. Love it, Paul. Good call. Dr. Jared Stout's going to be joining us here in just a second. We're going to let him get connected and uh, settled in. And um, I mentioned a little earlier this hour that we are now two weeks away from November 7th. It's hard to believe because I feel like we've been eyeing Election Day for a long, long time here in Ohio ahead of this uh, very critical vote on the um, on issue one and the proposed ballot initiative to um, enshrine abortion in Ohio's constitution. So just a reminder to pray and uh, to educate yourself and others about the uh, the facts concerning this proposed constitutional amendment. And we've got a whole page dedicated to issue one over at Sacred Heart Radio Dot com And you'll see it right at the top, a banner with issue one there that you can use for yourself to get educated and also send other people there um, to help them get educated and to be able to send it to others 
keep spreading it out there. Get the facts out there about what is at stake with issue one. SacredHeartRadio.com. 20 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Is Dr. Stout here, Paul? He is here. Good. Excellent. Dr. Jared Stout is joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Good morning, Dr. Stout. Good morning. It's good to have you. And last time we were together, we talked about how at the Mass we are experiencing the unveiling of heaven. Now, today we are going to be talking about ritual. And just to lay the groundwork for this discussion today, can you define ritual for us? Yeah, a ritual action is something that's out of the ordinary. So let's let's give the example of eating and drinking, right? You know, eating and drinking is something that we do every single day. It's a normal human activity. But uh, a ritual eating uh, would be doing the same action, but with a deeper meaning. Um, and of course, generally, we're speaking here of a sacred uh, meaning and purpose. So you're taking ordinary actions where, I mean, if we're thinking of the ancient world, that could be, you know, the slaying of an animal um, and the butchering of an animal uh, it could be eating food or drinking, um, lighting a fire, any of these ordinary human activities. And, you, and you're investing them with a deeper sacred meaning and performing them on behalf of other people, right? So if you're eating and drinking yourself, that's just a private action. But a ritual action would generally be something done uh, with a deeper meaning on behalf of other people. Now, this might be an elementary question in response to that, but how do we know then that the mass is a ritual? Because of how it was performed uh, the first time. So Jesus was performing it in the context of the Passover. Um, so the Passover itself is a ritual, right? So it began as a simple meal, but God told the Israelites, I want you to do this every single year. And I even want you to explain this to your children. This is what this means, right? You know, that death is passing over us uh, as we are eating this meal. Now, whether or not the Last Supper was a, a Passover meal is actually very controversial. But we can certainly say that it was in the context of the Passover, and it incorporated elements of the Passover no matter what, like 100%. Um, and so Jesus was basically doing the same thing, right? He was taking up the context of a meal, he was investing it with a deeper meaning, you know, okay, here's bread, but this is my body, right? You know, take this and eat this as my body, not as ordinary bread. And then what does he say? Do this in memory of me. There it is. That's how it becomes a ritual. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been going on for centuries now in the church. Well, something I mentioned in the book, you know, when we think of everything that the church is called to do, and should do. The ritual of the Mass is the thing that we've probably been best at doing, you know, that we actually are doing this in memory of Jesus every single day. Can you talk about the role of language in the ritual that is the Mass? You know, it, it's possible to conceive of a ritual that was only action, right? You know, you could come to a service and you could see a priest or another minister performing actions. But the words make the meaning of those actions very clear. So you couldn't interpret it this way or that way. You know, um, if, if there was just the priest standing up over the altar and holding up a piece of bread, 
you could say, oh, that's interesting. Maybe that means God just wants to, you know, feed us, you know, through an ordinary human meal. But when the priest says, this is my body, a number of things are clear. Not not just the, the meaning, as if it were a human meaning that we ourselves are imposing. But when the priest says, this is my body, then it's clear that, I mean, Jesus is the one acting here in this ritual. It's not a human ritual. It's a divine ritual uh, because God is acting through it. And Jesus is the word of the Father, spoken by the Father, and he's the one who speaks forth all of creation. So in the midst of the ritual of the Mass, the words of Jesus are what we say, like, operative. That is, they make things happen. They're efficacious. They're powerful. And so the word of God, the eternal word of God, is speaking in the midst of this ritual and making things happen. And speaking forth these words of the word should be clear, okay, something is happening here. This is my body. This is actually being done in the midst of the Mass. Does that mean that we should be hearing the priest say it in the actual language that Jesus was using? You know, it's an interesting point um, because Jesus himself spoke Aramaic, mm -hmm. and yet the prayers of the synagogue were in Hebrew. Mm. But on the other hand, the, the writings of the New Testament are in Greek. And Greek was, you know, the lingua franca of the ancient world. You know, sure. it, it, we knew different people, Romans and Greeks and Jews and Syrians speaking to one another it would be in Greek. So I think immediately what we see is that the church is not going to be built on one sacred language. Um, it's not going to be Hebrew, Aramaic, and, and even the fact that Greek is being used, but it's more of a popular language that the Jews are writing in Greek, um, shows that Jesus wants his words to be accessible to all people. Um, what's interesting, though, is that uh, Christians in Rome did actually uh, pray the Mass in Greek for 200 years and then went into the vernacular of Latin. So it's a joke that people make today. You know, you remember when uh, the Mass went into the vernacular of Latin? <laughs> um, but, you know, there's, there's a reason why, you know, we translate the Bible. And, you know, even though we did have the Mass in Latin for centuries, there's still different kind of language groups. You know, you had Greek, Syriac. Uh, the Slavonic languages and, and Latin. Now, of course, we're translating the Mass into countless languages. And this is all about the, the Word of God coming to us and speaking to us directly so that we can understand it and respond to it ourselves. Now, I also defend the importance of a sacred language in the book. So I, I think yeah. there's room for both. You know, we, we speak of the languages of the cross, the three that were actually up on the sign above Jesus' head, which mm. is Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And, and they will always retain some importance, right, Absolutely. within the church's life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it brings a, a much more, shall we say, formal sort of feel, for lack of a better word, to the, to the liturgy using those sacred languages. There's... A lot of elements here. Uh, there is a kind of mysteriousness and transcendence with the sacred language. Also precision, you know, and Pope Benedict actually floated as Pope going back to Latin for the form of the sacraments. So that would be mm. like the words of consecration. Sure. You know, this is my body or I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Why? Because 
it also gives unity throughout the church so that we could be clear, okay, we're all saying these very precise words for the sacraments. Well, we'll leave it there for now. In the meantime, you can find How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization from Tan Books, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jared Stout, really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And don't forget, go to the show notes. You can find the link to the book and click that subscribe button so that you can get it all in your inbox every morning as we go on the air. We got Dr. Jeffrey Morrow joining us next. It's 11 till. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Delhi and Harrison Pet Centers with everything your pet needs from guppies to puppies. Offering curbside pickup in-store and online shopping at DelhiPetCenter.com. That's DelhiPetCenter.com. Pregnancy Center West is committed to protecting the unborn by encouraging women to see and choose the beauty of life while offering practical assistance for them and their families. Donate securely online at supportpcw.org. That's supportpcw.org. I'm Bill Torbeck of Tri-State Abrasive and Tool Company, proud to support Sacred Heart Radio. We strive to provide the highest quality diamond and CBN products manufactured by privately owned companies, enabling us to provide prompt and personal service and you to avoid the unnecessary cost and frustrations of dealing with bureaucracies. Find us online at theabrasiveone.com. That's the number one. Theabrasiveone.com. Theabrasiveone.com. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Hoting Realtors, trusted and recommended by generations of families to sell their homes. Licensed in Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. Hoting Realtors, 513-451-4800 and at Hoting.com. You rely on your car, so rely on the experts at Fort Mitchell Garage, a proud supporter of Sacred Heart Radio. They can do it all from brakes, tires, and heating and cooling to towing and collision repair and more. Fort Mitchell Garage on Dixie Highway and Park Hills. On the web at fortmitchellgarage.com. You're listening to the Testament Bible study. We're using a Catholic guide to the Old Testament as our guide. It's from Ascension Press. Go to ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament. Pick up a copy for yourself to study along with us. And we're back with Dr. Jeffrey Morrow, one of the contributors. Good morning, Dr. Morrow. Good morning. Great to be here. It is great to have you. And we are on to the book of Tobit today. And it's kind of unique, isn't it? Can you tell us the story here? Certainly. It's very unique. Uh, first of all, this, this book is not in Protestant, most Protestant Old Testaments, yeah. so it won't end their historical books, but it does for, for us, for the Eastern Orthodox and Oriental Orthodox. And it is a unique book because it's taken from the perspective of the northern Israelites in a, the Assyrian exile. So this is uh, unique because it's the only northern perspective we have among the historical books. Yeah, that's really interesting. So tell us about the main characters that that sure. we meet in the book of Tobit. So the main characters are Tobit himself, who is of the tribe of the northern tribe of Naphtali. Uh, most of the tribes were forced to intermarry among Gentile groups, and the rest became the descendants of the Samaritans. 
So this is unique that we have um, a member of the tribe of Naphtali intact and his family. And then his son, Tobias, is another main character, and he will eventually marry Sarah, who is also um, an important figure here. And then the, probably one of the other main characters that we, we sweet about is the angel Raphael. Yes, and I want to I want to get more about how he shows up in this book. I mean, well, I guess just take us through the story of Tobit. It's just quite a beautiful sure. story. It's a beautiful story. It's a wonderful story. I mean, there's a lot going on. So the basic story is that Tobit is a faithful Israelite in Assyrian exile. And the real problem is what do you do if the majority of the religious tradition is about sacrifice in the temple, but there is, you know, you're not there. You're far from the temple. You're already in a kingdom that has split itself off from the south from Jerusalem. How do you be faithful to God when your people are not faithful? And so what he does is what he's able to do. He prays to God, and he lives a really righteous life, um, very righteous. He goes around, he makes sure the dead are buried, even to threat of punishment. So he, he sacrifices himself just to make sure that Israelites are buried properly, he, um, when they're given a gift that he, he's afraid might be stolen, he makes sure it's returned. He is uh, a very holy man trying to live out fidelity to God as best as he can. And his son, Tobias, does not have a wife, and he hears about Sarah, and every man that tries to marry her is killed by a demon. So what ends up happening is Raphael is taken as a guide for Tobias to help him meet Sarah, marry her, and bring her back um, to Tobit. So that's basically the, the basic narrative of the story. And what do you think are the takeaways from this, from a scriptural perspective? Well, there's uh, two big ones. I think one is going to be the importance of living justice, living the virtues, trying to, be, to, to follow God as best as we can, in the concrete circumstances of our ordinary life, regardless of what we are, what our occupation is, if we have a family or, or don't. And the second is the holiness of marriage. I mean, I think that's one of the big, big, big things happens when Tobit, I'm sorry, Tobias, his son, goes to marry Sarah. It's not out of lust. It's out of duty. It's out of uh, selfless sacrifice for the other. And he's able, in a sense, to vanquish the demon because he, he prays. So on their wedding night, he he goes and he prays. He and his bride pray to the Lord. uh, And it's it's in contrast to all the other suitors. And it, I think, underscores the holiness of marriage and that married life and family life is a battle, a spiritual battle. That's that's the two big ones, I would say. Absolutely. And on a lighter note, though, can you uh, talk about the role of dogs in this story? Uh, the, The role of dogs? Yeah, there's a there's a part in here. I was laughing, Dr. Morrow, as I was uh, reading through the chapter here on the book of Tobit. And well, maybe I'll just read it instead. It says one of the more unexpected story elements is the two time appearance of a dog. This is the only book of the Bible which mentions a dog as a pet. Typically, dogs in the Near East were seen negatively as scavengers and wild animals, though some claim this story element has no meaningful purpose in the book. It makes sense to see the dog as the answer to Tobit's prayer for his son to have protection 
and companionship. I just like that, Dr. Morrow, that that's included oh, in that's here. Great. You can read more about it in A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. Go to ascensionpress.com slash Old Testament to pick up a copy for yourself. We'll look forward to talking about Judith next time, Dr. Morrow. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. All right, that will do it for this Tuesday edition of the Sunrise Morning Show. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget, head over to sonrisemorningshow.com or just sacredheartradio.com. Click on the subscribe button so you can get our show notes in your inbox every day. And that way you can connect with all of our guests and not miss a thing when the podcast goes up afterwards. Check out the video stream as well during the first two hours of the Sunrise Morning Show. We'll look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow on a Wednesday. For Matt Swim and Paul Lockman, I'm Anna Mitchell. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from St. Margaret Hall, an assisted living and skilled nursing facility sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. St. Margaret Hall has been providing loving care to the community for over 50 years. At St. Margaret Hall, your loved ones will receive 24-hour care from dedicated professionals with newly renovated, stylish assisted living units. At St. Margaret Hall, the difference is love. On Madison Road, 513-751-5880. On the web at stmargarethall.com. Learning, planning, and being prepared is a part of life. Gate of Heaven Cemetery of the Archdiocese of Cincinnati is here to help you understand church teachings so that planning end-of-life decisions can be made with peace of mind. Find out more at Gate of Heaven Cemetery's pre-planning seminar, Tuesday, October 24th at 11 a.m., 2 p.m., or 6 p.m. at 11,000 Montgomery Road. For reservations, 513-489-0300. 513-489-0300. We need your help. Hello, I'm Marianne Kuharski, Director of Pro-Life Across America. In my 30-plus years, I've never seen such a concerted attempt to silence our efforts and at a time when it's most needed. There's a powerful effort to prevent and block our pro-life messages. Our billboards, social media, and digital ads are all impacted. Unplanned pregnancies still happen. Our ads feature a hotline number connecting callers with more than 3,000 pregnancy support centers across America, offering alternatives to abortion, free ultrasound, and pregnancy help. Babies' lives are being saved. The need still exists. It really does. And Pro-Life Across America needs your help. To donate, please find us at ProLifeAcrossAmerica.org. Did you know I could suck my thumb before I was born? Yep, we all started small. Support for Sacred Heart Radio is from Ken Herbert Plumbing. Ken Herbert Plumbing, a drain cleaning specialist, uses color drain cameras to help find and fix drainage issues. Ken Herbert Plumbing, for residential and commercial plumbing repair, 513-383-2974. I'm Father Ethan Moore from Catholic Bearcat, the University of Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to Sacred Heart Catholic Radio. 740 WNOP Newport, 910 WPFB Middletown, or get the app, stream, podcast, and more.